please remember the views and opinions expressed by this show or any other show on DV Radio and its guests are strictly those of said individuals and do not reflect those of the DV Radio staff nor the staff of dysfunctional veterans. I am the first dick in your ear, Bonerwood, so it's going to be a hard one tonight. Now, God damn it, buddy, that's just not even fair. This is Banks Talk. This is inside the nut house, man. We got Sergeant Wardog. Oh, I just broke out of the rubber room, dog. The bacon man himself, oink. You are truly putting the D in the B when it comes to DV radio. Mr. Recoil. I prefer to be referred to as belly and down. And don't know where the fuck Google is. I told you it's my computer, it's not me. That's exactly how I feel. We probably had a few too many to drink, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 20 bucks, 20 bucks. Can I get a thimble full of sweet baby rays, please? We don't have it. Saturday's going to be even more entertaining. Illogical. We still have the DD radio store for those wondering. Shit's still there. You can buy shit. Buying shit's good, okay? Oh, we haven't even gotten there yet. You fucking got me there already. Love and military barracks talking around this smoke. How's your back feeling after that penis reduction? Oh. <laughs> You're tuned in to WDVR on DVRadio.net. Because this is how it is on DV Radio. That is how it is right here on WDVR, DVRadio.net. It's Bears Talk Live. It's January 22nd, 2022. I am, as always, the first dick in your ear, Bonerwood. We got the Alaskan Tundra man himself, oink. We got the lady who always goes missing, Google. We got the guy who claims to know everything there is to know about dogs because he is apparently the dog whisperer, JJ, PTS, dog, Joaquin Wutai. And we got acid tripping as always, Sergeant War Dog. I don't know if he's back to his computer or not. He he went away, never answered me. Anyway, how's everybody fucking you, doing? <laughs> how's everybody doing this evening? Doing great, yeah. brother. Good, good. Good time. So, yeah. We have two guests tonight. Um, one of them is Jen and her point of contact, Carrie. If you guys don't know and haven't been following along with her story, we're going to talk about that tonight. Jen's death. So there might be some delay when we talk to her because uh, she is using closed caption. But don't worry. She can't talk. She, she, she hasn't lost that yet. So thank you, Jen. For, for, and she for is a veteran, so hold on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's a veteran. <laughs> well, you know, uh, according to the VA, because I can talk, I don't need accommodation, so we're, we're headed in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we've oh, also yeah. we've also got Mr. Mike Guardia on to talk about Danger Ford, the Forgotten Wars of General Paul F. Gorman. And then he's going to talk about a few other things, but I'm not going to relinquish any other information on either two of those just yet, because Google, are you there? Don't tell me you walked away to fix your drink. I'm going to kill you, Google. (laughs) You asshole. You fucking asshole. Of all the times Google has to walk away from her goddamn computer, it's after we start the show. Can't be before... Jesus fucking Christ. You you see, you couldn't find me, right? (laughs) Dude, this wouldn't be DV radio without somebody fucking it up. And of course, it's Google tonight. God damn it. Oh, Google too can be here if that helps. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So really quick, stupid. You know what? Facebook needs to die. Facebook just needs to die. That's it. Because it sucks. Anyway, we have... A cell running 
the 24th through the 27th on the DD Radio Store, which you can get to by going to ddradio.net and clicking on the store tab. Um, it is 15% off. It's the 24th through the 27th. Like I said, if you want a discount, go get it. Go go do that because you assholes are assholes and you bitched and moaned and complained and wanted shit. And now it's too expensive or you don't want to use credit cards or what. I don't care for your excuses anymore. Just buy some shit so we can pay some bills. Oh, can we send you the money via, via stagecoach? <laughs> yeah. Fucking Pony Express around I these. I don't want to use any of them newfangled credit card thingies. <laughs> Fucking I'll send it via Pony Express. Jesus fucking Christ! That, that's what it feels like. That's that's really what it. Actually, I think somebody paid in four not too long ago, which is okay because we get the money up front. You're you're paying PayPal and PayPal pays us, and then whatever. I don't care. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's see. Google, are you back yet? Because I was going to go straight to the farm, and you're not there. God damn it. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, oh, wait. How's your uh, week at the uh, Alaska Tundra been? Mine? I said oink. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been about that. Dead. Uh, slow as hell. <laughs> well, why did you... Some warm, some warm temperatures up here, so it's been kind of slow. Why did Google say fuck you earlier? You want to tell everybody? I have no idea. Wiki's <laughs> innocent. I'm innocent, I tell you. <laughs> I mean, it, it wouldn't have anything to do with the weather or anything, would it? Probably not. No, no. Not that we're you know thirty degrees warmer than what she is. <laughs> so. Does there have to be a reason for a woman to say "fuck you"? Seriously? <laughs> no, not, not really. No. no. no, no, no. I do like how Oink phrase it. Is it fucked up that I'm warmer than all of y'all minus Marquis and grown ass men? Man, we're at 40 degrees right now. Google waits. (laughs) Google waits almost four hours. Fuck you. (laughs) This is getting all historical on him. Yeah, I, I I couldn't say anything else. I had to do the laughing emojis and. Uh, invited to Zoom. Like, that was it. I couldn't... There was no words. You wait four hours and, fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) And I can hear her saying it. That's the the sad part. (laughs) Mayhem even said, fuck you, Link. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean... (laughs) Feeling the love. Feeling the love. (laughs) We need to get that CeeLo Green song. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, War Dog, how you been, brother? Oh, chilling, man, chilling. A uh, little bit of good news. Um, my uh, my podcast, man, the War Dog Trail, is now out on uh, Audible. Can you believe that shit? Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's on a few places now, though, man. It's on uh, Audible, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Apple. So nice. Spreading around, bro. I'm um really trying to you know go at it hard with a media blitz this year i want to get uh the non-profit side going with camp doghouse and i want to get on the hunt channel for sure with the uh web series sergeant war dog tv so i'm ready to go all in dog uh i think you've seen some of the recent recent footage i had from new year's right 
Yes, I did see a couple of them. I don't get on Twitter as much as people think I do. I spend like 15 minutes on there, yell at people, and then get off. Like, <laughs> Oh, I don't either. Like troll. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Google leaves and then says, ready for real this time. Like, seriously? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I swear to God, if she blames her fucking computer. <laughs> I swear to fucking all. Jesus Christ. Dysfunctional veterans is an understatement over here. <laughs> Are you sure you're fucking ready now, Google? I am. For some reason, my audio wasn't working the last time. Oh, whatever. Fucking blame your computer like always. I, I'm like, I, I said you would blame your fucking computer. Here you are blaming your goddamn computer. Motherfucker. Because I could hear y'all talk about the weather and it's fucking cold and then I'm trying to say something and nobody can hear me because my mic is not working. And I'm like, this is bullshit. It's 42, Google. It's 42. I looked at the temp this morning in the barn and it was negative three. And I'm like, it's usually about 10 degrees warmer in the barn than it is outside. Never got above 33 at my place today. <laughs> so Carl Childers it, could not have lived in that barn if he'd grown up in <laughs> He'd been eating more than mustard biscuits. Nobody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Google, do you have any farm updates for everybody? It's fucking cold. It's just good. It's fucking cold. I know, right? Um, no, because I gotta go through like all the finances and shit. And that's new. Why? No, but I gotta figure out like how much we have. But I mean, we can always use money. <laughs> Like that's, non, that's the thing. Money. A nonprofit uses really money. <laughs> I know, right? There's nothing really new other than um, something else broke on the truck. So, DV Flatline has been trying to change it, right. and he needs a very expensive tool because it's so rusted through that it's not. Fire. Add fire. Get a torch and fucking burn that bitch <laughs> off. If it won't come off with a tool and 10 W40. Or yeah, it's a 10, no WD forty. Ten W forty. He was working on it. I was like, for like a good five hours. Ten W forty. How are you going to use a tax form to get a bolt free? That's why I said, "Why the fuck did I say that?" And then I changed it to WD forty. Dude, that's been a long job, fucking week. Hey, Google, I want to hear it. You're the one that's always fucking shit up for us here recently. What are you talking about? Every time. Every time I come to you, wait a minute, I'm not ready. And then you didn't even answer us earlier, blaming your computer again. It was my computer's fault. Last night, <laughs> I almost didn't, last night I almost wasn't even, even able to submit my final assignment for my class. Why not? Because my computer wanted to be retarded. <laughs> I think it's time for a new computer. <laughs> <laughs> when did you get this one? It wasn't that long ago. When I started school. I thought you had gotten another one since then. Uh uh. Nope. No, because the VA is not going to replace it unless it's completely 100% broken. That's the one you had gotten repaired then. Um, maybe yeah, that explains what's wrong with me. I'm 
No, it started working again. What's wrong with me? <laughs> it started working again on its own. Don't ask. Is your camera still upside down? Holy crap. No. <laughs> no, that's about the one thing that's working. Holy shit. This paper, let me tell you, this paper I wrote in a day. And I got <laughs> I got 36 out of 40. What the Nice. I wrote I wrote in a day. <laughs> and then even like last night when I was trying to go to sleep, I'm like, I feel like I missed something. Like I didn't do something that I should have done. And give credit where credit was due. <laughs> Did you plagiarized like, like a motherfucker? I don't know. <laughs> Did you have a more right? excited page? <laughs> I did. I did. Oh the one error. Is that I put eighty three thousand light years and not eighty three light years? God damn it! So I just so what's a few thousand light years. Come on, I know, right? <laughs> what's a few zeros and a comma? <laughs> light years. Come on. When you look at the professor and go, "Do I look like Elon Musk?" <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my god! Do I look like I've been on SpaceX? <laughs> <laughs> Captain's oh, log. Oh. Star date. <laughs> no words for where we're going tonight. Huh? <laughs> we're going where no dysfunctional veteran has ever gone before. <laughs> it only goes downhill from here. <laughs> Thank you, man. Have another. Fuck. So, seriously, no other farm updates, Google? Don't tell me your audio is not working again. Your mic quit. Probably. It's on strike. Yep. Your mic's like, these people are fucking fucked. Fuck this sounds shit. Like you need to re- <laughs> sounds like you need to rename Google AOL. DV <laughs> TV we need to have Jen on TV more. dial up. <laughs> TV dial up. We'll just call it. We'll just call, we'll just call Google DV fifty six for fifty six game mode. <laughs> I, I don't think it, fuck you again. I really don't think it should be AOL. I think it should be ASL tonight. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Google said fuck you again. So she is using some sign language, but it's in a text format. I can hear you guys. But you weren't answering. That's why we were giving you hell. Because my mic was not working. I was like screaming. Like, this is fucking retarded. You guys, you guys at first were like, is she like not paying attention? Because I want to question you ask. It's funny because <laughs> as you talk, it goes in and out. Like <laughs> this is retarded. He's responding with you've got mail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my back is killing me. Fuck. We're not even 30 minutes in and I am fucking hurting as bad as fuck right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Remember, folks, it hurts Jen to laugh, so let's, let's calm it down here. Come on. <laughs> you people stop having fun. Wait, wait, wait. Ready? <laughs> wait, come on. 
Sparky, Sparky piece of shit. Oh, now mine's not working. <laughs> wait, wait. wait, ready? What? The- wait for it. Wait for it. That's loud as fuck, JJ. Loud as fuck. God, I have to oh, Dude, I think my fucking mic fed back on that one. <laughs> and I, I have, have earbuds. <laughs> Everybody under 30 is going, what the fuck was that sound? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for making me feel old tonight. Damn. Right? (laughs) I'm right there with you, brother. I mean, the alcohol told me otherwise until you played that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking flashbacks and shit. Just know that Google... Google began in 1996. Do you really feel old or do you feel fucking ancient? <laughs> so you're saying I'm older than Google? The actual Google? The actual Google, the yes. We thing? are all older than the actual Google. By a couple years, but yes. But just, <laughs> Speak yes, for yourself. I'm just well-seasoned around here. Well-seasoned. That's right. <laughs> Zip, what are you talking about by a couple years? <laughs> hey, just remember, just remember that uh, there might be a chia pet from the 90s that still has more hair than half of us. Oh, definitely more than me. <laughs> what? You know what's sad? We still, still have, have one of those. Of Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, we, man. We still have a chia pet that my grandma ordered for whatever fucking reason and never opened the goddamn thing. So it's sitting piled up in the fucking plethora of shit from the years past. <laughs> Time to open that shit. Oh, man. Just re-gift it. At this point, re-gift it. I don't know. I I don't know what they would say when they got it. Who pissed on this? Because the box is all (laughs) yellow and shit. (laughs) They'd be like, "Who the fuck took a leak before he got here?" It's a classic, fucker. Deal with it. (laughs) And it is one of the original chia pets. It's the dude face. It's the stupid dude face chia pet. Their little mascot they had for the longest of fucking time. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh my god. Right? Hey Google, if we insulted you but while this sound's going on and you weren't to respond, it would really seem like we, you know, we shut you down. So I'm hoping it doesn't doesn't get there. Because I know you kick all our asses, but for us to be like, you hear that Google? Yeah, I'm ready. Beep. What would have been really hilarious? What would have been really hilarious is if Google had to quit talking and Zoom had to quit on her right at the time we all stopped talking to let her answer. That would have been fucking hilarious. It'd be better if you have a job application tomorrow from Alexa. (laughs) 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 Moving on up. Oh my god. Okay. From a leg style like that, Joe. I can't even get on with her and I'm dysfunctional. <laughs> I can't even be bad tonight. Anyway. <laughs> all right. But it's so good to be so I bad. Co- I just spit my copy all over my computer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's let's try to be serious for a minute. Mr. Mike Guardia, how are you doing this evening? <laughs> Hello, Bo. Hello, all my friends. I'm doing great. In a, uh, unfortunately, in a losing battle with Mother Nature, I got the uh, I got similar problems to those of us who are on the Alaskan tundra. I'm not that far off in Minnesota, where the ambient temperature outside is a balmy seven degrees, 
and there's two feet of snow on the ground and counting. <laughs> My God. <laughs> is it snowing right now? Yep, sure is. It's been snowing since, gosh, about 2 o'clock local time. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it was yeah. uh, down here Saturday and Sunday. It started Saturday night, went into Sunday, and continued up until Monday morning. And it was snow, then it went to ice, then it went to snow. So that was nice. Okay, so you have a new book out now, or is it ready to come out? Or Yes, sir. So anyways, the new book of mine that is out is called Danger Forward. It is the Forgotten Wars of General Paul F. Gorman. Uh, that bad boy uh, just came out about two and a half months ago. And uh, the story behind Gorman is really that of a forgotten hero. I mean, here is a uh, here is a guy who fought in two major conflicts and uh, had a guiding hand in building what we now know today as Tradoc and also uh, helping organize uh, some of the uh, secret wars that we had going on in Latin America during the 1980s. So Gorman, uh, interestingly enough, he uh, gets drafted into the military at the tail end of World War II. He actually starts his career in the Navy as an enlisted man, um, is in the Navy only for like a few months before uh, the Japanese surrender. Then he uh, gets discharged from the Navy and says, you know what, I really want to be an Army officer and I really want to go to West Point. So graduates uh, from West Point with the class of 1950 right in time for the Korean War to kick off. Uh, He has his baptism by fire in those hilltop battles throughout North Korea. Uh, He fights the Triangle Hill. He's on Porkchop Hill and uh, is awarded, is rewarded for valor, wins the... uh, wins the Silver Star, comes back and uh, moves through the ranks, serves along the Iron Curtain. And then in Vietnam, he uh, is the commander of American troops at the Battle of Bong Trang, which was uh, one of the heavy battles in 1966, leads his battalion outnumbered to a victory and uh, keeps good commanding control of his unit, despite the fact that he is suffering from third degree burns from napalm because of a misplaced airstrike. But uh, carries the day, wins the battle, comes back, and he becomes the chief architect of what we now know today as the Pentagon Papers. He was putting all the information together for that, uh, compiling it for the government, and uh, recognizes as he's pulling all this data together, it's like, hey, all the intelligence data told us that we should have stayed the hell out of Vietnam, so why did we go in in the first place? So, uh, you know, despite what the Pentagon Papers say, stays sticks around and after the uh army is suffering after vietnam he says you know what we gotta we gotta rebuild from the ground floor up gotta revamp training revamp standards that becomes uh his in to make tradoc what it is today and then fast forward into the 80s he takes over southcom uh when we are supporting the contras in nicaragua when we have troops in el salvador uh, when we're fighting drug cartels in Panama and Colombia, and uh, when we're trying to uh, keep a handle on the Cubans, and also when the invasion of Grenada kicks off. So here's a guy who was a badass for the better part of 35 years that he was on active duty. Jesus Christ. I mean, wow doesn't begin to cover it, like seriously. I mean, he is he is the epitome of a badass motherfucking soldier. You know what I mean? Um, 
Yeah, your uh, typical soldier too, where you know he doesn't like the fucking typical, you know, PME, the the professional military education that he went to uh, some of the junior colleges or, or classes mm-hmm. that he took as an officer. You know, he's like, fuck it, I don't want to go to these stupid things. I'm not going to learn anything. You know, exactly. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty 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 accurate as well. You know, especially early on in his career when he recognized, you know, the the poor leadership that it was around him. You know, he could identify it uh, as a young lieutenant. You know, he could see that. So just. You know, like I said, I've only read about half of the book so far, but yeah, it's it's actually pretty astonishing what he's done, yeah. or what he did do, for that matter. Yeah, and uh, you you mentioned one thing that most people don't think is significant, but Tradot, do you want to explain to everybody why that is actually significant? Right. So uh, for all the army types out there, I say Tradoc, and we instinctively know what that is. Um, for any non-army types, Tradoc is an acronym for uh, Training and Doctrine Command. And uh, in the Army, that's your huge bureaucracy that is in charge of all of the initial training points. So anytime a soldier goes to basic training, anytime an officer goes through any one of his um, officer basic courses, TRADOC is the the, um, body that handles all of those units. They make all of the training plans. They organize all the doctrines. And uh, they're also the they're also the ones that run what we call the schoolhouse army. So any of your uh, any of your PME courses, if you were to go to, say, like the Army War College or the Command and General Staff College, uh, that would fall under the TRADOC purview. So uh, TRADOC, um, I'd say every soldier has a love hate relationship with TRADOC. I know that that was my case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On 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 the one hand, I appreciated them teaching me the fundamentals, but. You know, it it it, uh, it tended to uh, get to a tipping point where it's just like you, you could tell that they were just trying to fill space within a training calendar. But uh, yeah, um, but what what it started off as, and I think a lot of these concepts have survived the test of time, is that uh, you know when Gorman approached it, he said, "Look, I, I, I take a look at our training and our doctrine from a bird's eye view." And like 80% of training is classroom-based activity. Well, if we're soldiers and we're supposed to be fighting in the field and perfecting our field craft, we need to be spending more time in the field and more time doing realistic standards-based and scenario-based training if we're going to, if we're going to remain a viable fighting force. And uh, that was, uh, it's that concept that I think has made uh, our military as a as, as much of a professional fighting force as it is and uh, you know how we've uh, been able to prove ourselves been able to prove ourselves in tactical engagements from uh, Iraq all the way to Panama and back again yeah and I don't think people realize you know as as much as like you said we have a love-hate relationship with TRADOT um, it is important because you can't learn everything in a classroom environment. It's impossible. Um, there's things that you just can't prepare somebody for mentally in a classroom. I, I think it's absolutely unequivocally impossible. So, you know, the fact that he stood up and said, look, we need to incorporate some shit into this so people know what to do um, and and just be mindful of your environment and and then take the classroom and put it in a real world scenario, I think was we, we look at it now as, yeah, why wouldn't you do that? But then that was ingenious and, and it is, it's, it's probably one of the most invaluable, although 
it is <laughs> relatively hated by the way it's executed in many um, installations. Uh, it, it's it's completely invaluable. Um, another thing, I don't know if anybody caught it while Mike was talking, and I've got a uh, question from Mayhem in just a moment. But you mentioned Pork Chop Hill, right? Yeah. Uh, why is that significant? Because I don't. I think many people have seen a movie called Pork Chop Hill back in what was it fifty six. Is that what it yeah, was? Something. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if we take a look at the Battle of Porkchop Hill, uh, what we see is this was pretty much the last significant hilltop battle of the Korean War. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you could uh, you, you could go into a pretty long winded discussion about why it's important. But right. if you distill it down to, I think, the basic precepts of how important it is. You would focus on the fact that, okay, well, here was uh, here was the very last significant hilltop battle. And if you look at it from um, the if you look at it from the standards of attrition warfare, it was a victory on our part. But it was it was one of many hilltop battles where we pulled out of our objective area after we had defeated the enemy and the enemy came back and they occupied the same area. Right. And, you know, if you look at that within the context of many of the wars that were fought throughout that last year, year and a half of the Korean War, you would you would see that, you know, this tends to be the M.O. of U.N. forces throughout the conflict. You would trade territory with the communist Chinese and you would gain a few yards and then you would abandon a particular area, shift your forces either to the left or right. But then as soon as you cleared that space. Uh, the enemy would come back in and they would reoccupy that same piece of territory that you had fought so hard for and given so much of your blood, sweat and tears for. And, you know, it it, uh, it became it became a uh, it became a negative sum game for both sides because, you know, both sides were throwing manpower and equipment at these objectives, both losing people left and right. And then, you know, these pieces of terrain would arbitrarily trade hands between one side or the other. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, it just, it's, it's a representative sample of how not to fight a war. Right. And I don't know how other people feel, but I'm glad you actually talked about that in the book because I don't think the Korean war, uh, grips people the way it should. They see it as, Oh, they went over to Korea. They done some things and they came back and it, it got pretty hairy <laughs> at times, and I don't think people really, really understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, this will go into a question that I had, uh, but Mayhem said, I understand from the Big Blend TV podcast that your interviews with General Gorman were virtual. Did you archive them, and have you considered editing uh, them for and uh, posting some of the highlights from those in- interviews for posterity? Yeah, so uh, I have recorded all of them. Uh, yeah, they are all maintained on a digital archive that I have backed up online, as a matter of fact. And uh, yeah, so I uh, I do intend to keep those for posterity and for as long as I'm drawing oxygen. There's, uh, God, I want to say right offhand, there's probably close to seven and a half hours just of things that I transcribed. That's wonderful. That's just, jeez. Yeah. 
Don't let the Library of Congress get their hands on that. Um, <laughs> they'll get oh, they better greedy. pay me top dollar if they want that. Right? They'll get greedy, man. There's some stuff that they've gotten their hands on. I'm like, really? You're charging me this amount of money for something that should be free? Like, really? Um, but uh, with that, what was something that just awed you with the interviews? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing that awed me uh, was just how matter of fact he was in stating all of the things that he had seen, Uh, you know, from, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, a third party looking in, you know, when he's telling me these stories, I mean, you know, it's very hard for me to uh, pick my jaw up off the floor because I'm like, oh, my God, he was there and he was making history happen in real time. But, uh, you know, his... uh, his presentation of it is just, well, yeah, you know, it's matter of fact, and I did this and, you know, uh, this is what I was ordered to do at the time. So this was the outcome of it. Um, what did you want to ask me next? <laughs> That's awesome. He does. He seems like people like Hal Moore and others you've interviewed. He doesn't have a big head and he's just straight up. If, if you need an answer, he'll answer it for you. And then we'll, we'll talk about bullshit. If you want to tell you that, was that the vibe or? Oh yeah. Yeah. He, um, you know, I think the, uh, you know, and I, I gotta tell you, I really admire this more than anything else. I, I think the, the happiest that I ever saw him throughout any of our interviews and the most animated that he ever was, was when he was talking about his family. It was the, uh, it was all of the memories that he was making with his wife, Ruth and with his three children and uh, how he was, uh, you know, how he was building his legacy as a family man while, uh, you know, fighting all of these horrible wars that we had to deal with. And not only that, you know, how he was able to enjoy his life, not only as a father, but also as a grandfather and telling me about how he built, you know, his whining business into uh, into like one of the top vineyards that's on the eastern seaboard. So, uh, you know, you really get a sense of a guy who is dedicated to his duty, but you know, the, the thing that is closest to his heart and the thing that makes him the happiest is his wife, his kids and, and, and his grandkids. As sappy as it sounds, that's, that's fucking beautiful. I mean, (laughs) you go through all this shit, you're a literal fucking legend. And only thing that I care about is my family. I love that. Like that. Me too. I don't care what anybody says. That's a man right there. That's a man's man, baby. Uh, This is actually a a question to you about not just these interviews that you've had with Gorman, uh, but any archival uh, interviews. Shut up, Scooby. This isn't about you. Um, (laughs) Any interviews you've had with anybody. Have you thought about donating copies to the Army Museum, Patton Museum, any museum like that? would would you be willing to donate any of those or, you know, work out something snafu and uh, mayhem ask that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, um, I've been in discussions with, uh, with a few outlets um, uh, for some of those very things. And I, I, I think most recently the, uh, the, uh, the most recent museum that I've conversed with has been the museum of the eighth air force um, who, Wanted who wanted me to uh, provide uh, not only a reading but also provide um, also provide sample page uh, spreads of that children's book I did World War II Night Before Christmas. Really, they wanted 
Yeah, they wanted to have little sample page spreads to uh, use as part of their museum exhibits of, you know, how uh, wow. how military personnel um, dealt with some of the horrors of combat, yet while still maintaining a little bit of holiday cheer in, in the spirit of Christmas. And of course, any onlooker can tell that, you know, the book that I wrote is a work of children's fiction, but it, it ties in with the same broader spirit of, you know, Hey, uh, you know, Christmas is a time for hope. It's a time for joy. And the spirit of the season will coincide with the forces of good to defeat whatever evil is out there. Yeah. If, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, Mike uh, wrote, he's written two children's books. Uh, the I think it was your first one, correct? Uh, World War II Nightmare, uh, Nightmare, Night Before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> nightmare <laughs> well for the guys are best on i'm pretty sure it was a nightmare but yeah. <laughs> um it's it's beautifully written uh it follows uh the night uh the night before christmas rhythm um and and the illustrations oh my god uh melanie i believe is the one who illustrated mm-hmm. it for you if i'm not mistaken yeah it's it's beautiful. Uh, if you've not gotten that book, please grab it. Uh, even if you don't have kids, you're going to love just looking at it. The nostalgia factor in that is, for me, wonderful because it, it it draws me back to a, to my childhood with those types of children's books because you don't see that type of illustration much anymore. Um, right. Oink, I know you've gotten about halfway through the book. What do you want to talk to Mike about uh, in relation to uh, Danger Ford, the Forgotten Wars of General Paul F. Gorman? Well, one of the things is how do you select these individuals that you actually interview? Um, They come to you by recommendation or is it just something that you actually seek out? Because like I said, I've never heard of, of Paul Gorman until now. And the guy sounds amazing. I mean, really, in all honesty, the shit that he's gone through and done is phenomenal. Like right. I said, I've only gotten halfway through the damn book. So <laughs> um, how do you actually go about selecting these folks? All right. Well, you know, in a lot of ways, these topics actually find me. Um, and I, I came across Paul Gorman. Now, I had actually, I had came, I, I had come across his name a little bit earlier. So if we wind the clocks back to about 2014, um, I was finishing up research on that biography that I did on Don Starry. And I, I came across the name Paul Gorman as, as I was doing that research, and I knew he was one of the power players in Tradoc, but uh, I didn't bother to check into what he did beyond that. And uh, you fast forward to 2018, um, I was giving a uh, I was giving a presentation, uh, how more lessons in leadership uh, to the uh, to the cadets at the Colin Powell Leadership Academy that's here in Minneapolis. And the professor of military science there, he said, hey, Mike, you know, I read your book on Don Starry, um, and I, I really want to ask you something. Have you ever heard of a guy named Paul Gorman? And I recognized the name, and I said, yeah, yeah, he was, uh, he was at Tradoc right around the same time that Starry was. I know he was one of those, uh, I, I know uh, he was one of those power players who was helping to revitalize the training in those early days of Tradoc's existence. And he said, well, Mike, you know, uh, Gorman is still alive. He's still with us. Uh, have you thought about doing a biography on him? And I said, well, okay, well, uh, yeah, I mean, what else has he done? Because I had no idea at this point. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then 
it was that retired colonel who uh, just laid out everything that he did. He's like, well, you know, he he was he was uh, he was in the hilltop battles of North Korea. Uh, he commanded a mechanized infantry company right on the Iron Curtain. Uh, you know, did two combat tours in Vietnam. Uh, was the was the chief architect of the Pentagon Papers. Um, you know, uh, commanded a forward stationed infantry division also in West Germany. Um, turned that into a top notch unit. And he was commanding Southcom while we were supporting the Contras in Nicaragua, and when we were planning the invasion of Grenada. And I'm just thinking to myself, "Oh my God, how come I have never heard any of that? I got to make yep. this. I got to get a story down on paper." Well, I'm I'm sure glad you did because, like I said, I'm only halfway through, and some of the stuff that he's done has been amazing. I won't go into any of the the details, but I know there's a nice little. Uh, story about him and uh, Norman Schwarzkopf uh, in the book as well. I'll okay. leave it at that, and for those folks can pick up the book and read it yourself. But uh, yeah, I mean, just some of the stories that you hear uh, that you've shared with us has, has been amazing with this gentleman. So uh, thank you for writing it. I mean, honestly. Oh, thank you. I'm gonna, tell you I'm gonna tell you right now. When you got told just the first three things about General Gorman, I, I would have been like, "Let's do an interview today." Like, <laughs> like I'd have been like, "Do it now." Um, Mayhem's got another question for you, Mike, if you don't mind. Uh, he said, as a historian, do you see similarities? And I think we spoke about this in a past show, but we didn't really go into much detail. Do you see similarities right. between the post-Vietnam military and the current military in light of the recent developments affecting our military, i.e. Afghanistan's morale, mandates, and Brandon, I use air quotes, <laughs> threatening war with the Russians? Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I am so glad you asked that because I do see a few similarities and they're enough to raise my eyebrow, but they're not enough to make me panic. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I say that is because, uh, you know, when I take a look at what the country was like at that time, you know, if we're talking like from 1973 upwards through like 1976, when, you know, post-Vietnam malaise, I think was at critical mass and I mean, granted, I wasn't around back then, but uh, based on the veterans that I've interviewed and um, what uh, what the recollections have been of those who were there to see it in real time is that, uh, you know, here you had here you had a, uh, a toxic, uh, a toxic situation with President Nixon and Watergate. You had uh, you had a uh, war that uh, almost everyone and their brother knew was not a good idea. And uh, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of social and political backlash at home to where, you know, not only was the uh, country savagely against the military, but uh, the soldiers themselves were uh, were rallying against it and actively promoting disobedience. So I, I when I look forward to where we are now, I mean, granted, it, it's not an ideal situation, but I think it's still head and shoulders above where we were back then, because, you know, I mean, I remember. I remember being alive on 9-11 and I remember joining the military after 9-11 and, you know, serving in the military during these times of what they call, you know, the era of, uh, of persistent conflict. And yeah, even though Afghanistan could have been prosecuted better, we still can claim a half victory because we killed Osama bin Laden and he was the reason we went over there. And uh, the uh, the morale and the uh, training standards and professionalism, I think, are head and shoulders above where we were back then. And even though the American public, by and large, 
sees Afghanistan as a uh, as a tragic episode, they still are overwhelmingly supportive of the military. Right. There's not this, there's not this rampant hatred that you saw uh, so fervently like back in the 70s. So I see the parallels. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it makes me none too happy. But at the same time, I'm saying, well, you know, at least we're at least we're handling this a lot better both yeah. on the military and the civilian side than we did 50 some odd years ago. Yeah. And I've, I've got to agree with you. I mean, as much as we hate certain executions of mm-hmm. certain movements and, and developments, uh, by and large, as you said, those of us that did serve, whether it was in Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever, I think a lot of us joined around nine 11 and just mm-hmm. after, um, because whether it was, you know, instinctively or bred into us by our ancestors or, or whatever, we felt that obligation, we've got to do something. And, and that's what we've done. Um, we had kids on our cop, you know, they didn't do much, but it was, it was wonderful to see the village people happy as hell and not in the middle of Baghdad with a suicide bomber. Um, right. And then you have Afghanistan, and I can't imagine what it was like over there. The turmoil is probably not even close to what it was when I was in Iraq from 9 to 10. Uh, and I know a lot of people was like, it's all for naught because of what happened. But again, I don't think we appreciate the small things we've done. It's just like, oh, my God, my internet's not working. Okay, what about the 99% of the time it is working, you know? Um I think I think that's what we uh, we lose sight of. Um, let's see. Uh, Mayhem said, thanks, Mike. Appreciate your work. I'm a follower now. Um, so you got a new follower, Mike, at least one. Um, I followed you. Uh, I followed you for two years now on uh, on Twitter. And I really want to thank you. Uh, it's amazing to me to even be you know, in the virtual presence of an author like you. Um, did I also see some of your work once around uh, Valorous TV or anything around? I, I, I've seen some of your titles like in different yeah, uh, places. Yeah, well, see, I, I think the uh, I think that Valor Network did like a featured spot where uh, where one of their anchors or one of their guests was, was, was talking about a uh, project that I had done. But war dog i gotta tell you man thank you so much and uh i i truly admire everything that you do and you know everybody who's in on this virtual call right now i mean you guys are amazing and i'm beyond proud to call you my friends right on bro i said it in pre-show and i know we all laughed and made a joke of it but i do love you uh just what you do um being a a military history buff myself i i love the fact that we still have authors like you that are uh, writing and, and keeping this history because it's, it's going, it's, it's going fast and we take it for granted that people are here today, but what about tomorrow? Um, before I forget it, you said combat diaries is due very, very soon. What is combat diaries? Yes, sir. So the combat diaries, 
that is a collection of true stories from the front lines of World War II. And uh, this is a collection of about two dozen veterans who have provided their stories, um, their stories of life on the front lines. And this is uh, this is uh, on land, on sea and in the air. And uh, they bring a remarkable first person perspective to uh, what war was like for um who was then the citizen soldier? You know, these uh, these were men who joined uh, right after uh, right after Pearl Harbor or, or they were drafted. And uh, they have some incredible tales to tell. Just to give you a few examples, uh, there was one gentleman who was featured in the book. Uh, he was a crewman aboard the boat PT-306. And uh, these were PT boats that were operating in the Mediterranean Sea, no less. And uh, his, uh, you know, his uh, story in being a crewman on a uh, on a PT boat in the Mediterranean focuses around uh, trying to um, maneuver around the Axis ships, trying to sink them without being detected, and being a Johnny on the spot taxi service for the OSS because he would often have to he would often have to deliver spies to the beaches of Italy, you know, so they could go onto the mainland and you know conduct all of their in- intel gathering missions. And then after like a uh, after a three day spy mission, he would have to come back and pick them up. And then also during the invasion of southern France, uh, his boat was tasked to deliver the British commandos to the shores of the French Riviera. So that's uh, some pretty interesting stuff right there. Then I also have a story in there of a gentleman who was the very first man to wait ashore on Omaha Beach two hours before the main invasion body got there. And under the cover of darkness, he hid under a pile of rocks. He was a forward observer. You know, he was a uh, he was a field artillery guy. As a forward observer, with him and his radio, uh, under a piling of rocks, he would be calling in fire from the naval gun batteries onto all all of the German positions on shore. And then uh, I'll give you another example of a uh, story that I of a story that's here in the book is a uh, gentleman who uh, was an American pilot in the China Burma. India theater of World War II that tends to be the uh, forgotten theater that doesn't get a lot of publicity. But uh, interesting story behind this fella here. He's one of the uh, folks featured in the Burma chapter is uh, he his airfield was blessed to receive a captured enemy zero from a Japanese pilot who got lost and landed at the wrong airfield. And uh, and he and he was the unlucky SOB who was tasked to take the captured zero and fly it from uh, fly it from China over to India, uh, where it could be put on a ship and loaded back to the States. Well, the interesting part of the story happens because, you know, he goes airborne in the zero. I mean, keep in mind, it's a Japanese zero that's being uh, piloted by an American and the airfield in India somehow didn't get the memo that a captured zero being flown by American was on its way to their airfield. So when it gets detected that a Japanese zero was on its way, you know, naturally the uh, air traffic control point scrambles a flight of P-40s to go and intercept the zero. <laughs> well, this guy had to have been the luckiest SOB alive because, you know, just minutes before those P-40s got to him, the zero ran out of gas and he had to belly land in the jungle. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
So he emerges from the plane unscathed, and the plane is actually still in flyable condition. It's pretty badly scraped up, but you know he's cursing up a storm. He's kicking the zero, saying, "Oh my God, this piece of crap!" Blah blah blah. But but then when the Air Force rescue team gets to him, he said, uh, "Dude, you're pretty lucky because you were just like moments away from getting shot by P-40s." <laughs> and he's like, "What?" <laughs> That's some uh, what is it uh, behind enemy lines? <laughs> the story you share right there. <laughs> That's great. I can't wait for that one. And is that in March, I believe you said? Yes. Cannot wait for Combat Diaries, everybody. If you're listening to Barrick's talk on WWRWRadio.net, I don't know why. But if you are, <laughs> Mike Guadria's Combat Diaries is due out in March. And uh, we just discussed his latest book, <clears throat> Excuse me, Danger Forward, The Forgotten Wars of General Paul F. Gorman. Mike, is there anything else you would like to let our listeners know? Uh, books, upcoming anything, or just a few words, whatever you want, brother. The floor is yours. Absolutely, brother. Well, to uh, all, all of our listeners out there, hey, I just want to give a shout out to you guys and say, uh, hey, it was a pleasure to be on the show. It's a pleasure uh, to be able to bend your ear for the limited amount of time that I got on this show. And whether you're a veteran or whether you're not, Hey guys, stay safe, stay happy and uh, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you. As always, brother, you have an open and open ended invite here at DB radio. Just give me a shout. And if you want to come on, you know, you can just say the date. Absolutely, brother. It is my pleasure. And uh, I, I always enjoy being on the show, Bo. And, you know, to uh, Oink and Google and uh, and to Jen out there. Hey, you guys are awesome. Please keep killing it at life. And yeah, just know that the guy on the other end of this virtual call right now, you've got a friend in him. Now I want to play I appreciate the, Mike. Now I want to play this Toy Story theme. Got a friend in me. <laughs> You got a friend. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, brother. Hope you and your family enjoy the rest of your weekend. And everybody, go grab Mike Gordia's book right now. That's uh, Danger Ford, The Forgotten Wars of General Paul F. Gorman. Check out the rest of his books. He's written a lot in the past decade or so. So please, if you can, and you're military buff or history buff or whatever, if you're just a book reader, go grab his books. Definitely grab the children's books. If you don't grab anything else, your kids will love them. I promise. Thank you, brother, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. And I will see you all later. Y'all have a good night. Night, brother. So, yes, that was Mike Guardia, our I don't want to say residential author because we got a lot of authors these days. We got JJ, right? we got Mike, we got Betsy. Fucking we, we JJ, had a, Mike, Betsy. Me. They're all making me readers and shit. What's up with that? <laughs> right? I've got a fucking library thanks to these three. Thanks, assholes. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Suck it up, dude. And, you know, uh, my psych actually had began re uh, reading your book, JJ, and she loved your children's book. She started reading uh, Betsy's Fight series. Um and whenever you finish your next book and Betsy finishes her fourth piece, I'll send those to her and let her have those as well. Um, nice. I don't know if my next book is going to be about service dogs. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I don't I care. It's going to be about the mental health benefits of artwork. 
I'll, I'll, I'll send it anyway. I'll send it anyway. Yeah. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Google. What? I thought you said, hey. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, my God. <laughs> 50, 56K. That's your new name. 56K. 56. Uh, I still like TV Actually, dial up. No, I dial was, up is too long. To, I was trying to tell Mike to enjoy that snow out there and not to send it my way. But, of course, my mic decided it was not going to work. <laughs> I'm like, this is bullshit. I'll be getting a new headset tomorrow. How about DB 8-bit? <laughs> 8-bit. <laughs> there you go, Google. 8-bit. I'll have, to, I'll, I'll have to make a new song for Google now. <laughs> Thanks. Not appreciated. We love you, Google. So why didn't 6 come on? He said he was coming on since it was 8. Um... Because we Is didn't he? push it back to seven. <laughs> he fell asleep no. at seven. <laughs> no, he was. I don't know why he decides that he's got to do stuff on Saturdays because then he hurts himself and wants to go to sleep. So he didn't cut himself we with had the chainsaw this time then, again, did he? What was that? He didn't cut himself with the chainsaw again, did he? No. Okay. Because no. I was going to get him. Uh, some ass, made, I was going to get him some assless chaps if he did. Sounds like a story I really want to hear. <laughs> I feel like here's the here's the problem. I want to eat before we go on the radio. But I know that once he eats, he wants to go to bed. Yeah, that's so, that's that's his problem. So next week maybe I will tell him he can eat after. after he's like, do it on the radio. He's like do a it. baby, he cries that he's hungry and then wants to go to sleep as soon as he's done eating. Let him, much. let him eat during the show on mute and then after the show he can go to sleep. But he won't That's mute and it'll annoy you. No, have him, no, have him leave his mic on to piss Bo off. No, it'll it'll miss it'll piss Google off. She hates people yeah. eating on there. <laughs> That's why I don't do it anymore. I always mute out because I don't want to hear her yell at me. <laughs> it drives me nuts. That's one of my pet peeves. Just like when he decides to say something right after he takes a bite of food, he's gotten a lot better. But then I'm like, what? I, I didn't understand what you said. He was sitting here before they moved eating noodles one night and you could hear the the fork or whatever hit the bowl and and I was like, dude, you've got to stop, man. And then here comes Google. Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was loud. Yep. All right. So we need to move on. Um we have Jen and Carrie on tonight. Jen has a story that is going to piss some people off, and it should piss everybody off. But I say some because some of you are assholes, dickbags, and just all around bad people. Anyway, <laughs> um, Jen, Carrie, if you two would introduce yourselves. And then we'll go right into your story slash interview slash telling everybody to fuck the hell off. All right, awesome. I'm uh, I'm Jennifer Stoller. I'm an Army veteran from the Corps Engineers and a uh, 100% disabled veteran. I also uh, run two very successful companies. And I am Carrie. Um, I'm known on TikTok <laughs> as Harley.Boot, and I'm a Navy veteran and a veteran advocate service officer. 
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, too, for being on tonight. I know Jen said she may not be able to stay on the whole time, and that's perfectly fine. If you need to go, just let us know. And uh, if Carrie can stay on, we'll continue. If not, we can continue at a later date. It's all up to you guys. But you have been dealing with some medical issues, and you've not really been getting the runaround. You've been outright denied. Uh, Do you want to start with what happened to get you into seeking medical help? Or do you want to just start off with how fucked up the system is? <laughs> um, uh, so I can kind of start with the beginning and then I'll turn it over to Carrie. Um, so about 14 months ago, <clears throat> um, I, uh, I have a TV show. And about 14 months ago, I started having significant pain uh, in my neck. And uh, so uh, we went to the ER, local hospital, and um, um, they did a CT scan of my neck and determined that I had a what they refer to as a, a thyroid nodule. It is a tumor on the thyroid. Um, and um, so... Uh, at that time, they had determined it was uh, somewhere between, based on imaging, uh, 0.5 centimeters and 0.75 centimeters. So in, 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 in medical terms, anything over two centimeters becomes very worrisome. It's right approximately around an inch and a half to two inches. When you start getting into the two to three, three and above centimeters, then they start. it becomes critical. They start considering other concerns like cancer, things like that. Uh, so... Um, I did like every veteran's required to do. I contacted the Department of Veteran Affairs to notify them within 72 hours that I had uh, received this care. I also reached out to my endocrinologist at VAMC Houston, uh, Dr. Chen. And uh, for those that are following this and, 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 and actively keeping notes, Dr. Chen at VAMC Phoenix is a different Dr. Chen. My Dr. Chen in Houston is a phenomenal human being. Um, let's make sure we make that distinct separation immediately. Uh, Dr. Chen in Houston is incredible. Um, so let's not give him any hard time. Okay. Um, I contacted him and I said, Hey, so, uh, just so you know, you're my endocrinologist. Um, I have this on my thyroid and he said, well, uh, let's get you in. So uh, an appointment was made, and this was right at the start of COVID kicking off. And so um, I reached out to them and uh, to, to make the appointment. And uh, I was told that in order to get in to get lab work done, because my doctor would need new lab work, uh, that I would have to come in and make an appointment. Um, and so, uh, with COVID starting off, they didn't know what those precautions looked like. I was one of the many veterans at the start of this who was just flat out denied care, uh, you know, call us back in a month. Um, and so, um, I decided to continue on, uh, and the pain started to get worse. Uh, finally, um, I was working one night and I actually, the pain got so bad. I actually fell down unconscious. Um, I actually passed out from significant pain. Uh, and so um, an ambulance was called. I was taken to the hospital uh, and there were some situations that occurred with medical care that night. And they again did a CT scan at a local civilian hospital. And they said that the nodule had grown to over one centimeter at this point. It was between one and one and a quarter centimeters. So in a very quick amount of time, this thing had nearly doubled in size, uh, almost tripled. And so um, 
I again reached out to Dr. Chen and, and this was around February, March. Um, and so I said, I have this issue that needs to be addressed. And uh, we began to navigate this issue uh, of, of getting into get VA healthcare with COVID, um, that nasty C word. Um, um, and so um, uh, I said to my doctor, I said, you know, uh, here's the frustration, here's the rub. I've been put off for almost two months now. I need these labs. I need to be looked at. I need to be treated. And uh, he said, well, I'm not sure what to do here. I'm just an endocrinologist. And so um, I said, well, let me see if I can get at least my blood draw done. I contacted the patient advocate at the Tomball VA uh, in, in Texas. And uh, I, I said, you know, I, this is where I'm at. I'm a disabled veteran. I'm 100% PNC permanent in total for the civilians. Uh, and uh, I, I have a disability where I can't heal. And I need to be able to get in and access care and be able to effectively communicate with my care staff. Um, and I, and I explained to them that the CDC guidelines um, stated that uh, I was an exempt individual. Now, what's important to understand here for all the people out there that are on the fence, the mask exemption very clearly is set by a couple of things. One, and as Carrie has educated me, is VHA policy. Okay, this is the Department of Veterans Affairs version of the ADA. The second important thing is the CDC, who obviously sets a lot of these standards for the medical setting. Um, and the third part of this is Joe Biden, the <clears throat> resident in chief's uh, mask mandate. Um, and so what was really important to discuss here on a couple levels is one, um, the VHAA, VHAA has not actively added a policy that allows for them to discriminate against me on the basis of a disability. We have asked to see that policy several times. They haven't produced one. The second thing is that um, the CDC guidelines in their seven-page guidance for mask wearing very clearly states in uh, about four or five locations in seven pages that the deaf and hard of hearing and anybody communicating with them in a medical setting or any setting is exempt from wearing a face mask for effective communication. And for those who are leery, um, they can wear a face shield or a face mask with a clear panel. Now for a deaf and hard of hearing person, and I haven't given the VA the luxury of, of being given this information, the clear mask with the panel is very difficult to communicate with. They fog up, they're very difficult to use. Interpreters tried to use them at the beginning of this mask pandemic, and it was determined that, um, um, that uh, um, they weren't very effective. And so these, these guidances were put in place for a reason to protect people like me who needed to have that effective communication. The other component that was brought to my intention is, well, you can speak. Yes, not every deaf person can speak. Not every deaf person has the same amount of hearing loss. Being deaf is not like being uh, someone with a, a visual acuity issue, right? We put on our glasses and now we can see. Uh, hearing aids don't just magically fix your hearing, like glasses fix your eyesight, okay? Um, um, hearing aids are only able to amplify sound that you can still hear, meaning if I'm struggling to hear a phone ring when I put my hearing aids in, I am more likely to catch that it's ringing. It doesn't allow me to hear things that I can't hear anymore. All right. And that's a common misconception. The second thing is, is that um, 
um, hearing aids do not um, quote unquote amplify hearing loss. They only amplify remaining hearing. So, um, so we explained this to them and then they said, well, you can vocalize. Well, you're right. I can vocalize, but I don't have uh, the ability to vocalize through a mask and understand communication. These are a couple simple things they can't seem to understand. So the CDC put these guidelines in place for several reasons. Uh, and then the third thing uh, here is that um, Joe Biden's mask mandate also for federal locations provides that department heads can provide an exemption on a case by case basis uh, based on someone's need, as long as it is kept in writing and documented that that was provided. So there is numerous avenues here for the VA to provide me with a reasonable accommodation and provide me care. So I brought these things to the attention of the Tom Ball Clinic. And so I spoke to the patient advocate. There was some discussion back and forth between her and the AMC Houston, and they allowed me to come to my appointment. When I arrived at that appointment at the Tom Ball Clinic, I was met at the front desk by the lady, you know, you need to put on a mask and you check your temperature, the, all the precautions that are currently taking place VA wide. I explained to her that I was deaf. I had an exemption. I had spoke to the patient advocate. I was immediately met by law enforcement, Department of Veteran Affairs, law enforcement. And I explained to them and those officers were incredible. I give credit where credit is due. I explained to them the situation. The officer even took off his mask to effectively communicate with me. And they went upstairs and got the patient advocate. At this time, and, and her name is Martha uh, Martha Decker. We have it written down. I believe that's correct. Uh, at this time, she came down and she's a patient advocate. I explained to her. I said, "This is who I am," and she said, "We're well, you know we're going to go upstairs and discuss this, and we'll be back down in a minute." And I waited in the lobby at the clinic. She came back down. She said, we're going to take you straight up, take you straight in and do your blood draw and get you out of here. I says, perfect. So I did it. You know, I did exactly that. They asked me if I'd wear a clear panel. And I says, no, I need to be able to effectively communicate, but I have no problem. And, and this is important for people to understand. I said, I have no issue with taking a COVID test with you, taking my temperature, any of those precautions that you have in place. I'm just asking for the accommodation that I'm allowed to have. And so, um, um, and she said, no, no, it'll be fine. We'll just do a temperature check. And I said, perfect, no problem. So we headed upstairs. And so at that point in time, they took me straight back. They did the blood draw. It went smooth. It's a textbook definition of how it should be done in my case, right? That they meet me at the door and they take me straight in, straight to a room, provide the care and I leave. Uh, and, and she gave me her card, her business card and said, for your follow-up appointments, please contact me. So that way we can orchestrate these, these things again. And I said, sweet. So uh, I left, I went back on the road with my film crew. And uh, at that point in time, um, about three weeks down the road ish, approximately, um, I received a phone call from my doctor, Dr. Chen at my lab's brain, and that he was concerned about some of my levels. Um, and so he wanted to adjust some of my medications, things like that. Uh, and he wanted to monitor this closely. Uh, at this point in time, he didn't, he knew it was obviously concerned because it is a tumor or a nodule, but it wasn't concerning to where with everything going on in the world, it was like, oh my God, I need you back here right now. And so we said, he said, you know, let's keep an eye on it. Um, and let's see what we can do to get you in for a CT and an ultrasound biopsy. And I says, great. So um, I, I started making contact with VMAC Houston to try to work out patient care. And I was flat out denied. 
I was told that the accommodation that I was provided by Martha Decker was unacceptable in violation of VHA policy and that uh, it would not happen again. Um, and that if I wanted to access my care, I would need to wear a mask. And so I decided uh, that uh, I was going to kind of just wait here a little bit with everything going on in the world to see if this, you know, <clears throat> pandemic had cleared up. And uh uh, I, you know, I could get in just regularly for my appointments. And I told, I talked to my doctor after that phone call and said, you know, this is what's going on. If I need to go to a civilian hospital, we'll go to a civilian hospital. If it becomes an urgent matter, um, I'm still trying to run a TV show. Uh, you know, I'm still on the road. I'm still working. And, uh, you know, if they're not going to see me, they're not going to see me. I can't force their hand right now. And so um, um, I started reaching out to, uh, some individuals, congressmen, and uh, for legality reasons, I can't say some of these names right now, um, but some individuals about this to try to address it. I also reached out to the uh, director's office for BAMC Houston, reached out to uh, the experience office. Um, I tried to make several attempts to rectify this problem, and I was getting nowhere. Um, so over the next few months, all of this really started to come to a head. Uh, and I got really, really sick around uh, approximately the end of July and into August. Um, and uh, so we went to go see a civilian doctor. And, and this is the much abbreviated version for time. Uh, we went to see a civilian doctor, an otolaryngologist. And again, I had an incredible textbook experience on how it should be done. This is a guy who deals with the deaf and hard of hearing daily. These are his regular patients. And so they provided me with a sign language interpreter. They gave me a mask exemption. They were willing to see me, willing to talk to me. The doctor took a look at me uh, and he, I was so bad. I was folded over in a chair waiting in the lobby. And, uh, you know, for those of you who can't see me, I'm, I'm 5'7", 240, rock solid muscle. I work 20 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm a workaholic. And so for me to be lumped over in a chair, not feeling well to where I literally couldn't function was not a good thing. Uh, and so the doctor took one look at me. He put a, a scope down my nose and into my throat and he goes, good God. And I, and, 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 uh, you know, we were kind of a little taken back and he goes, you have probably the worst case of thyroiditis I have seen in my 30 year career. So this had now developed into thyroiditis. Um, and so he said, I want to get you in immediately for an ultrasound biopsy, immediately. And so we went to contact Banner Health System in Houston or in uh, Phoenix to do that, Banner Down West. And I was met with a lot of the same draconian uh, volatility that uh, um, I was met with by BAMC uh, Houston. And so um, the doctor sent me home on antibiotics. I started to feel a little better. And right about the time that the antibiotics uh, were kicking off and the steroid was starting to, the prednisone was starting to wear off, I said to my team, I said, guys, we're back in Arizona. Why don't we head back to Houston while I'm on a high here and uh, take this straight to the VA store? Um, because they need to address this. And all along the way, we're notifying my doctor at the VA. You know, we're making the, the proper notifications to them of what's happening. Uh, and so we decided to get on our tour bus and head back to um head back out towards uh, Houston to kind of bring this back to the VA's doorstep again and say, hey, now it's worse, I need care. Um, 
And so I went back to Houston. I began this fight with Martha Decker. I said, you told me that this accommodation would be provided. They had me contact the Katie um, clinic office. I spoke to their patient advocate who mirrored the same to me that BHA policy trumped the law. Uh, and at this point I was flat out refused. And then it became a conversation between me and VHA or uh, uh, VAMC law enforcement that if I showed up to the Department of Veterans Affairs as a 100% permanent and total veteran needing emergency medical care without a face mask, even though I was allowed to have a reasonable accommodation and under any normalized civil situation, if if this whole COVID thing was not a thing, anytime a patient who is deaf or hard of hearing goes to any medical treatment, any business, or even I could have requested it for this interview. If I didn't have closed captioning or whatever, I could have said, hey, DV radio, I need an interpreter. By law, you're required to provide that. And so this is law. This is not optional. And so I said to them, your policy is not law. I says, I have a legal right to have a ADA or I did not know at the time, VHA accommodation. This is the law. It's not optional. And they stonewalled me. And under threat of arrest, I was told that if I showed up to the Department of Veteran Affairs, that the law enforcement officers there would do what they are trained to do. Uh, and um, um, so um, this became a very big thing. I started getting really, really, really sick. Uh, and now I'm to the point where I haven't worked since December. Um and um, um, we did our last fan event. We actually had, I've never in my career canceled a fan event. We had to cancel a fan event this year, uh, which still has not been rescheduled. And uh, and to those fans, I'm sorry. Um, um, but uh, so I got very, very ill. And, uh, and all along the way, the VA stonewalling me. And that's when we kind of started to go viral with this on social media. And we started putting it out there on social media and, uh, so it became an issue of you either comply with our Dragonian mandates, screw you and your rights and your right to have effective communication over a surgical matter with a doctor, emergent surgical matter, uh, or you can go to jail. Uh, and so um, that's really my abbreviated half of it. And I'm going to turn this over to Carrie as to where it's gone from there. The last 24 hours have been absolutely interesting to find out that my quote unquote community care that was approved was uh uh -huh. very shystily done in a way that I still don't get my care. Carrie. Really quick before Carrie starts. Holy fuck. Um, I know I spoke to Carrie the other day. I think it was right at two hours. And uh, even, even after we ended the call um, and just hearing it from you yourself, it's, it's like, what the fuck is is an understatement? I mean, it really yeah. is. And uh, some people are talking oh. about it in chat right now. And, I actually uh, forgot the best part. Uh, this started with one tumor, and I now have two of them, and they're both about two inches big. Oh, that's great. The VA is really yeah. handling this situation awesome. Yeah, I mean, and so I, every so often I choke and I struggle to breathe and I kind of choke on my own throat. It's great. Yeah, it's. I, I love the people who are like, we need government ran healthcare, and I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. Um, yeah. and and this is why this this is exactly why it looks great on paper. I mean, socialism mm -hmm. looks great on paper. 
yep. execute it. It's the execution. Um, and and I'll, I want to thank you right now for for being on tonight. It's it's an absolute treat to have you on. I didn't know you were going to be on. I thought it was just going to be Carrie and somebody else yeah. from your team. So thank you for being able to be on here. And like I said, if you do need to get off, just let us know. Um, for sure. Karen. After what occurred to me on uh, the other day, uh, I really wanted to uh, on Friday. I wanted to come in. Today's Friday, right? I'm kind of getting a little lost. Saturday's not feeling well. But, um, <laughs> yesterday, yeah, with what happened yesterday, um, um, I, I really wanted to come on personally and kind of share my story because I know there's been some questions and some gaps, but there's only so much you can share on a TikTok video. And people were right. like, "Wait a minute, Phoenix, Houston," and a lot of people don't understand that Longhorn Paranormal is a streaming TV show, mm-hmm. and that's why there's kind of this bouncing around because I'm on the road filming for my TV show, and so I, I was, you know, the hope was to kind of clear the air and uh, fill some of those gaps a little bit for people. Absolutely understood. And and again, thank you. And I know everybody here at DV Radio uh, that's in this right now is appreciative of you being on tonight. Um, Dog, do you want to say anything before Carrie begins? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I've handled a service dog uh, as a veteran in the VA system for uh, actually taking him to appointments would be for eight and a half, nine years. And uh, nine and a half years, actually. And so I can tell you firsthand uh, that historically, over the last nine years, the VA is notorious for ignoring accommodation for veterans Mm -hmm. and um, making their own rules. And one of the things, uh, you know, specifically with handling a service dog at the VA, VHA Directive 1188 uh, is what... uh, is the guidance for that. And um, so my experience is things like the Martinsburg, West Virginia VA has an illegal service dog registry. If you're a veteran and you attend that VA and you have a service dog, you have to go before one lady, answer questions, fill out paperwork, register your service dog. And if she decides in her inestimable inestimable experience of having had dogs most of her life that your dog is not a service dog that it doesn't provide uh appropriate uh, tasks to assist you then you cannot use your service dog at that va every step of that is in direct violation of vha directive 1188 yet still as far as i know to my knowledge to this day the martinsburg west virginia vamc is still doing it it is a blatant violation of the law because the thing about the VHA directives is that VA policy is law for the VA. So if the VA is breaking it, they're breaking federal law. Federal law says you have to follow your policies. And then the VA DC says, these are the policies. And then the low, but, but the tricky thing, at least in 1188, and I don't know about all the other directors, but the tricky thing is the VA always leaves itself a little loophole in the language where the regional and even local directors can make their own specific rules. So at the end of the day, over the last 10 years, VHA Director 1188 in its current form, I think was published in its final form in 2016. Uh, but because they leave those loopholes, um, 
basically the way the legal language reads, regional directors, if they understand how to abuse it, can still just make their own rules. And nobody is holding these departments, these, these VAs accountable. And even though there's one rule that's supposed to, direct, to guide all the VAs, each region can make up its own addendums or additions, and each individual director can make up their own rules, addendums, and additions. So even though there's supposed to be one policy that rules all of them, the bureaucracy is so entrenched that there's no universal policy. And I can tell you from personal experience, having gone from VAs in Colorado, uh, Michigan, Oregon, and now North Carolina, the rules are not the same at any two VAs. Oh. It's just, and, and even on the west side of Colorado and the east side of Colorado, I went to two different VAs in Colorado, east and west are two different systems, and the rules aren't the same in the same fucking state between two VAs. This is how grossly abusive the bureaucracy is to the very veterans. The fucking Department of Veterans Affairs was formed to give care to disabled veterans and they can't accommodate disabled veterans. That's the actual fault. You know, and, and you know what's really sad is my hair is falling out, my nails are brittle, I clearly have a medical condition. I last week I went almost eight days without eating. We contacted them and said, Look, I'm literally I couldn't get off the couch, I couldn't eat. And they said, Yeah, sorry. Oh well. I mean, they literally just fly out, don't care. And uh and and it, I mean that in the last several weeks has become so everly even more clearly apparent. You know, to where they're literally quoting us the exemption as the reason for the refusal. Like, can you people not understand the word exempt or the other or the words should not? Like, these aren't like wishy washy, maybe, could be. They, you know, they bolded the word are exempt. They bolded the word exempt. Which part of that don't you people understand? Like, I'm not very smart, but I know the definition of exempt, you know? And, 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 What's even more crazy to me is since all of this has really come to a head with my case, uh, we started something on our outpost website for veterans where we're letting veterans send us their story so we can start tracking some of these stories. And once my case is over, we want to try to help some of these veterans who are in the same boat. Uh, and uh, the stories that are coming in are just mind blowing. Uh, I mean, there's stories out there that make mine look like kindergarten. And it just like like uh, the attorney that we reached out to uh, yesterday, uh, and I'll, I'll, I feel comfortable putting this out there because I know the VA won't go anywhere near him. The attorney that we reached out to the other day just got done suing Phoenix VHA for $30 million for trying to misdiagnose cancer as mental health. Like, are you freaking kidding me? And, and to think that they're trying to come after me now with the same jargon, I'm like, which part of I run two very successful companies and I'm a public figure. Do you guys not get, you know, like you can come at me and try to spin that narrative if you'd like, but how'd it work for you last time? And by the way, I'm contacting that same attorney. We're in talks. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it just, you know, at what point do these people realize that it's easier to just take care of the veteran than to constantly face all these hardships, problems and lawsuits. And, uh, you know, somebody said something to me the other day that made perfect sense. It's it's cheaper for us to die yep. than it is for them to pay for the care. 
Yep. VA lives and veterans die. And guess what? Dead veterans don't need benefits. Yep. We, yep. We've talked about that. They, they don't have to pay us if we're not breathing. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, right. and Jim pointed out uh, the Longhorn Outpost. Please go over there to longhornoutpost.us and click on Justice for Warriors. If you've got a story, please send it in. Um, I know we, we have a lot of resources for you guys, and we just give you another one every week, it seems. But longhornoutpost.us, and if you have a story, click on Justice for Warriors. And uh, maybe we can even help you guys make a series out of this, too. I'd, I'd love to get these stories out there as as well. Yeah. And, and I, now I want to I want to throw another uh, uh, wrench into the yeah. cogs. Uh, I was reading commentary in a veterans group on on uh, Facebook, I believe, where a veteran was just denied surgery, uh, necessary surgery, because they're unvaccinated. Oh, I heard of that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, I'm scheduled to have eye surgery on the 28th. I am. Not only am I unvaccinated, not only do I refuse to get vaccinated, but I'm a COVID survivor, and it's coming out. And CDC is admitting now that natural immunity is yeah. stronger than uh, than their little fake ass vaccine that they had to move the goalposts in order to shove down America's throats. So I may be. <laughs> logging into to, uh, Longhorn uh, Outpost and, and sharing the story next week. Please do. Please yeah. do. Well, and not only that, I had I had COVID in October. Yeah. So I followed up with my, or yeah, October. I followed up with my uh, my primary care doctor about three, three weeks after I had fully recovered. And he said, and I quote, well, you've had it now, so you don't need the vaccination. You're 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 safe. You've, you're immune. You've got natural immunity. Plus, you're not supposed to get the vaccine within six months of infection. So even if I did want the vaccine, I've still got another three and a half months to go before, according to their own policies, I can safely receive it. Yep. So this is going to be interesting to see what happens next week when I go in to have eye surgery. Um <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, um, I would like to see out of all of this, some class action lawsuits VA wide. I really would, because if it's happening to one of us, it's happening to many of us. Yeah. I would love to give you a great mind fuck. Um, So, you know, and and a lot of people were cheering this on last week and I just saw the irony immediately. And I actually sent a text to Carrie. You know, Boris Johnson, the prime minister of, of uh, Britain, announced that uh, coming this upcoming Wednesday, uh, all mask mandates, COVID requirements, passports, all of that nonsense stops and ceases immediately. And yep. I thought to myself, holy shit, you know what? The land that we fought for freedom just it's became freer than, than America. Yep. Yep. How You're right. The world is upside down right now. This is, this is, oh, let's not go down that rabbit hole. We need to focus on your story. <laughs> let's not get the ranting going. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had enough uh, alcohol for that. I was getting ready to say, before we go off in the left field, you are listening to Barrick's Talk on WDVR, dvradio.net. That's right field, both. That is right field. Thank you very fucking much. <laughs> Communist. E- either way, how about, how about we stay in the center for a second? <laughs> Short stop. Um, uh, Carrie, is what 
can you elaborate on this for uh, with with Jen's situation? Well, um, I can tell you that I was it was brought to my attention the first weekend in January um, by um, members of uh, Soldier Solutions. Um, they alerted me as to what was going on. And I did reach out to her uh, through TikTok initially, and um, I made contact with her. Given the fact that I am a veteran that does, in fact, have uh, medical exemption, mask exemptions at the VMACs, and I am a papillary carcinoma survivor, uh, I knew what was going on was total BS. Um, I looked in more into her situations. I looked at her test results um, because I have personal knowledge. And um, that weekend, um, I started um, because I knew the severity and the rapid growth of these tumors and the uh, tumors indicating on the CAT scans that they are not hot, which is not a good thing. I immediately, over the weekend, I uh, initiated a VAOIG complaint as well as a White House complaint. And I also emailed the uh, secretary of the VA, um, Dennis Madonna, to alert what was going on. Um, that weekend, um, Jen had to go back to the emergency room um, because of the choking sensation. And this choking sensation is very tight. It feels like somebody is grabbing your throat and ripping it out. Um, and I have personal knowledge of that. She had to go back to the emergency room. This time she went to Mayo Clinic. Um, they got her some painkillers. And uh, she was supposed to see a specialist, or she did see a specialist, I want to say, on the 5th, which was Wednesday. It was either the 4th or the 5th. Um, during the email to... Um, the Secretary Madonna, I pointed out that VMAC Phoenix and VMAC uh, Houston was actually acting like two two-year-olds pointing, pointing the fingers back and forth, and that um, we needed to get her into care and to expedite uh, the uh, community care referral to the Mayo Clinic. Um, between the first week in May and... Um, up until yesterday, I had a few contacts with them. Initially, my initial contacts with um, VMAC, they um, were indicating that they were expediting the claim so that she could have her biopsy uh, performed by the Mayo Clinic. And of course, the biopsy was not done because the community care referral was not done. Um, then the following week, we get these delays, the holidays and stuff like that, and continue to get everything done. I continued to um, alert um, Mark uh, Upton, who is the OSH, who's the acting undersecretary, I believe it's the correct title, over community care. Um, Deb Kramer, I believe she may have left, but she was the support chief or head of support at community care, I believe was her title, as well as Secretary Madonna. Uh, I also reached out to the um, chairman on the Committee of Veterans Affairs uh, to alert them what was going on, the severity of what was going on, especially with the history of VMAC Phoenix. 
I'm not calling VMAC uh, Veterans Administration Medical Center. I'm always I'm calling it Veterans Always Needing Medical Care. Um, that's my new acronym for them. Um, and I pointed out to them that the the fact is that the med- medical centers are there to provide services and treatment for disabled individuals, disabled veterans, and they are required and mandated to provide reasonable accommodations. And the fact is, is that 99.9% of all patrons of the VMACs are in fact disabled. They have a disability, whether they can actually see it or not. It doesn't mean, you know, somebody with a hearing impairment or vision impairment, they may have their eyes, they may have their ears, you may not initially realize it, but these are individuals and they are considered disabled in accordance with the ADLs, just like with somebody with a back injury. You, you see they have a back, but it doesn't mean that, you know, they have full use of it and it can affect the ADLs. So anyway, we were able to get an expedited community care referral. Um, they got it dated January 12th. And the first day that the secretary of the VA was notified was January 3rd. So in VA standards, that's pretty quick. According to veteran standards, it's not, especially after she's gone through um, 14 months of this, as well as the rapid growth of the um, tumors. Um, I received a call on Friday, two calls. One by, was by Miss Jackson, who is a patient advocate in VMAC Houston. And um, she wanted to um, help to arrange um, primary care um, for Jen. And we discussed things such as medications and stuff like that. I said, well, with her having now community care authorization to the Mayo Clinic, we can get um, Jen to provide the um, Mayo Clinic, um, provide them the fax number to the VMAC so that Jen can get any prescriptions in the mail so that that way that they are ordered through online and done and mailed to her directly so she doesn't have to um, go to the VA. Then the discussions went to during this time frame and the week before, I believe, we discussed about the traveling program because she does travel. Well, the traveling program is an issue because, once again, they she has to physically go on to the facility to do certain things. Uh, the discussions from Friday with Ms. Jackson um, you know, we uh, once again talked about a mask exemption and VMAC Houston was absolutely refusing. So I said, well, if you guys cannot provide it, and I do know that there are mask exemptions, you know, she can write, y'all can write a letter. She can carry it with her. And whenever she goes to a VA property to receive care, if she if she has that letter with her, then it's no fuss, no muss. But if she does not have that letter with her, then she will be required to wear a mask. This is in accordance with CDC. And she says, well, we're not going to do it. I said, okay, well, I want to see the VHA directive that's signed by the Secretary of the Veterans Administration that indicates that you have the right to um, 
discriminate against uh, a disabled person. And she was taken aback that I would even request that. I said, y'all need to stop discriminating against disabled disabled people. You are there to serve disabled veterans. Again, 99.9% of veterans who receive care at the VMACs are in fact disabled in accordance with laws, CFRs, VHA policies, and so forth. They are required to provide accommodations. They refused. I got done with the conversation with her. Not 10 minutes later, I get a second call. Uh, and another thing is, is that um, VMAC Houston wanted to also close her complaint now, which I said, no, we're not going to close the complaint. Uh, she goes, but we have to close it out by seven days. And I told her, I said, well, that seems like that's an administrative issue. The issues in the complaint have not been resolved. And she, they're like, well, we gave her Mayo Clinic a but there's still adaption issues and discriminations against disabled people. So anyway, not 10 minutes after I get done, I get a second phone call from BMAC Houston. And this was the chief experience officer. His name is Brett Kratke. This is the same guy who used my exemption as the reason for discrimination. Jesus. Go ahead. So, oh, you mean the rockets? Got it. Got it. So, <laughs> Mr. Brett Krapke is more likely than not um, driving around the VMAC, drive in a Honda, you know. And so he calls me up and we start to discuss this stuff again. And during this phone call, and I'm driving my car and I keep hearing this beep and I'm like so we're having this discussion and we're talking about her adaptions and stuff and they're refusing during this conversation they also go in to tell me that they are not following Mayo's recommendations and that they are only going to allow her to see an endocrinologist and I said well wait a minute I said I've been seen by Mayo Clinic in the past through the Veterans Administration. And what how it normally goes is that when the specialist goes and identifies that they need to see another specialist and they run those tests and so forth, that the community care will do it. I said, she's already seen one specialist there. And that specialist says that she needs to have a biopsy, a CAT scan. She also needs to see a neurologist because, as well as an endocrinologist. And this is based upon her emergency room visits from the Mayo Clinic, as well as her follow-up appointment um, with the specialist on either the 4th or the 5th, which the community care is not currently covering. And he's like, well, the community care referral is only for the Mayo Clinic. I mean, only for the endocrinologist. I said, but they've already said she needs to see other specialists. She is only getting um, it for endocrinology, and that is it. So then they proceed to discuss about the mask exemption. They're refusing to do that. And I said, well, if y'all aren't uh, willing to do that, then why don't you write the referrals for her to have a primary care physician at the Mayo Clinic? They're like, no, we can provide mail service or excuse me, um, we can provide uh, her primary care services through Teleconnect. And I said, really? 
I said, well, explain to me how they're going to draw the blood uh, using Teleconnect because that must be super new <laughs> technology. I've never seen it done. So if you can explain how that can occur, I would greatly appreciate it. You know, there are certain things that cannot be done using tele uh, the Teleconnect services. She blood draw and urine be- samples, probably two of them, right? I mean, <laughs> common sense. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, um, let's see, looking inside the ears, you know, stethos, you know, <laughs> going up the nose and down the throat is going to be some of the things that she's going to go through. So, you know, up the nose with the rubber hose type of thing, you know, I guess I mean, they're doing that through. I'm sure, you seem- I'm sure you could pee on the c- camera and give them a urine sample. I mean, <laughs> You know, these these seem more into the ones who said, oh, her medications, her medications are the same ones who've, you know, at the same time refused me my medications for the last three months because I haven't been seen by my my care physician. And, you know, uh, Jen's been known to have seizures. I've been seizure free for five years on Keppra and uh, I've been off that Keppra for months now, as well as, uh, you know, they're so concerned about my uh, my uh, um, medications. Well, you know, there's been very little concern about the fact that half of my teeth are cracked and uh, they're refusing to let me see dental. Uh, this it's all an all around medical nightmare for me, but they're worried uh-huh. about, you know, medication transfers. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. But when um, they put me on all these medicines for my Crohn's, they put me on a bone medicine and it completely fucked my teeth up. I looked like I'd been on meth for my entire life and it ended up I had to get them all removed. And when we first asked them, they outright refused. They said, your teeth has nothing to do with the rest of your health. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Your teeth are like number one for your fucking health. And they refused me like two or three times to even pay to have them examined. And I was like, well, this is going to be a a shit show. And it was, it was about a two and a half year fight. I, I think I ended up writing, I forget who it was. Um, I've, I've had to write a lot of people over the last 10 years, (laughs) Um, but luckily I finally was able to get a dentist that I had seen to say, look, you need to pay for his shit or blah, blah, blah. And the fact that they refused teeth and then said it was not a health issue. I'm like, what? Like that right there in of itself was enough to make me say, fuck you. Of course, there was a lot of other things, but anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go down a rabbit hole, but it's just, it it shocks and awes me that like I told Google in, in Zoom chat a moment ago, you know, you think you've heard the worst and then here comes somebody else who's got an even worse story. And then somebody else comes along and it's 10 times worse than either of those. And it, you don't think it can get any worse and it always gets worse. Somebody has a story right. worse off than you. And I, it's hard to fathom, but it's true. And all these civilians that, you know, that, oh, I didn't know the VA was so bad. And I go, yeah, you really should inquire more about where your tax dollars are going. You know, visit your local VA more often and talk to the veterans, because by and large, we've got some stories to tell. And uh, and uh, you might, you know, be more inclined to pick up the phone and contact your congressman and say, what the hell am I paying for? Yep. And, and that's an issue too. Oh no, no, no. They all want social medicine. They want they want yeah. social medicine. We live the nightmare that is social medicine. Yeah. We keep trying to tell them and they're telling us we don't know what we're talking about. Right. It's yeah. our nightmare. 
Yeah, that's like all the veterans. (laughs) That's like all the veterans for the last couple of years that have been sounding the not to go down a rabbit hole, but sounding the alarm on all this stuff that's happening in the world right now. And you know, you call the veterans conspiracy theorists. Well, you know, we we worked for the government. Do you call your doctor a conspiracy theorist when he says if you continue bad habits, you'll end up with cancer too? You know, you might want to listen to the subject matter experts in their field. Right. And and along along those lines, where Honestly, living in New Hampshire, like we're lucky that we're close to White River Junction, VA in yeah. Vermont. It's like we've gone to every single <clears throat> VA in Massachusetts and they all fucking suck. Yeah. Like, we're we're just <laughs> lucky that we're close to a phenomenal VA, even though there are COVID idiots there. Um, so, <laughs> so, so like, like, like care wise. We're we're lucky, but yeah, I've heard some some crazy ass shit in just the past few months yeah. from other VAs around the country. Well, never fear. I mean, it's not just the VA too, because uh, Tricare isn't much better, folks. Let me tell you, that's yeah. also mm-hmm. government. So, well, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. But anyway, back to back to the phone call with Brett. Uh, we were sitting there and discussing these things, and this beep just kept going off. And he's telling me what he's not going to do. And I said, and I finally realized, I said, you know, I really do appreciate you telling me that you're recording this phone conversation. He goes, recording? I don't hear anything. I said, no, this this beep is going on on a consistent basis. So, yes, you are recording it. I said, and um, so, you know, this is actually, um, and technically, it's actually a violation of VHA Directive 1078 in which recordings can be performed on there. I am not a VA employee. I am not a uh, volunteer with the Veterans Administration. I am actually a sworn veteran advocate service officer. And that I do not represent the VA in any form. You know, my my job is to make sure that veterans and people needing assistance maneuvering through the VMAC system is getting stuff done. And so this Brett guy says, he says, this is what we can do for her. I said, no, what you can do for her is you can stop discriminating against the veterans and uh, the veterans and have a good day. And I hung up after I got off the phone with her. I immediately called. Uh, made contact with her. I said, contact Mayo Clinic to make certain um, the specialist that has ordered the uh, biopsies and the CAT scans already can uh, go ahead and be done because they were not the endocrinologist that actually signed off on them. It was actually not a lariologist, which is an ENT. And the reason why they had her see an ENT is because of the choking sensation. They wanted to make sure that the air passage was not uh, obstructive. Um, So right now we are, and we've been in contact with the Mayo Clinic and um, the, they cannot rewrite the um, testing to cover it underneath the limited guidelines that the VMAC in Houston wrote um, for her to see an endocrinologist. If the testing was written by an endocrinologist, then it would be covered under the community care guidelines. So right now um, they've uh, 
explained to the Mayo Clinic, Jen, um, through and through assistance that she has out in Arizona, they've explained to him what is going on. Uh, the Mayo Clinic seems to want to um, assist with uh, getting these tests done because right now her biopsies and testing has been rescheduled three times. Um, and they knew they knew that that I needed to have the CT and the ultrasound and the biopsy done, and they chose not to approve. Shystily chose to improve the you know endocrinologist instead of the testing that I needed. So you know this community care referral they gave me a third of what I needed, and certainly not the most important piece. So you know, yay, we got the community care. Well, no, we didn't. So basically, right now. Um, We've reached out to the endocrinologist that's seen at the Mayo Clinic to see if they, if uh, the endocrinologist can write the testing based upon the examination with the otolaryologist in the ER visit. And unfortunately, they can't. That specific endocrinologist doesn't have any appointments available until middle or the first week in February and her CAT scan and her biopsy was supposed to be done before she saw the endocrinologist. So we are now reaching back out to the Mayo Clinic to see if the uh, endocrinologist by any chance happens to have a a walk-in clinic or a canceled appointment that they can scoot Jen in so the endocrinologist can put her hands on so that the endocrinologist can put her name on the testing that's already been ordered and, and scheduled. So even with everything that's going on, yes, she got approved to see a Mayo Clinic, but the testing as of right now, because it's not written by the exact specialist that the uh, Veterans Administration in Texas limited to, the chances are that the Veterans Administration currently covering it is not very likely. So the VMAC is continuing to play games. And what's really important here is more than anything is that even though I'm in Arizona right now, uh, the VAMC Phoenix has flat out told told Carrie that uh, they will not register me. They will not see me. And I hold dual residency in both Texas and Arizona. I've got a state ID in one and a driver's license, the other residents in both. Uh, The VMAC Phoenix has told Carrie that they will not register me, treat me, or do anything with me and that I am not as a 100% permanent and total veteran with residency in Arizona, I am not welcome at VAMC Phoenix. Jesus Christ. Like, oh my God. The VA giving veterans a second chance to die for their country since 1930. Yep. Uh, and this is exactly why I started. I don't know if the uh, you mentioned earlier that you were reading stories um on facebook i actually created a page a couple years ago and started exposing including recordings and stuff like that of my nightmare it's called va house of shame on facebook and i encourage everybody to post pictures of the va employees and tell their stories out there because there's a lot going on and the only way that we are going to able to make a change is if we become an army of one 
I hate to use that terminology, but no, we need do. to we need to join forces. Yeah. We need to re, we need to be united yeah. and we need to call them out. I mean, you know, we know about the the um, there is a yellow billboards out in certain locations. One I know is out in front of Phoenix and stuff that has been posted up. I don't know if you want me to say exactly which I don't know if you want me to say which what they're saying. But we all know the VA is lying. Vets are dying every day. I'll say it. VA is lying and veterans are dying. And they're in Phoenix. They're in Chicago. They're in New York City, Atlanta, Houston, L.A. The big billboards billboards that that, that, uh, a private company is paying to put up across the street from VAs all over the country. And they're bright yellow. We have it on our TikTok page. Veterans are lying or VA is lying and veterans are dying. It's true. And, you know, people like us, they don't they don't want to hear it because as you've mentioned, you know, people are going to say, well, you're just wanting to get quote unquote cloud or you, you Mm -hmm. probably done something to deserve them to deny you or this, that, or the other. And they don't care until it hits mainstream media. When it hits mainstream media, Oh my God, we need to do something. And then it goes away. And uh, it's, it's not an advocacy thing. It's, it's not a, we need to bring this to light. This is happening. People know it and they don't care unless it's happening to them. That's the problem. I call it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I call it camouflage syndrome. Um, You know, with the outpost, I wanted to put a name on it. Um, And uh, you know, I, I I say it's the, I have a yellow uh, ribbon bumper sticker on my car that says support the troops, but uh, you know, and I share this really great story of, of, uh, and I saw, I got to witness this firsthand as part of an experiment once they had a veteran in a pair of blue jeans, a pair of combat boots, camouflage hat, grunt style t-shirt, totally tatted up military tattoos, walk into a restaurant, sit at the counter. No one walked up. Nobody said, thank you for your service. Nothing. The moment a gentleman walked in in a uniform, sat down the table, his food was paid for. He was treated like royalty. Someone gave up his chair for him. And they, uh, you know, 10 people walked up to thank him for his service. I call it camouflage syndrome. You know, uh, it's like magically you get that DD-214 and everybody forgets that you exist. Or Mm -hmm. it's the, oh, you're using this for clout. Or, yeah, very much so what you're saying. And I've I've dubbed it camouflage syndrome. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, we talk about a lot of different issues that happen, not just in the country, but around the world here, uh, depending on which show we're doing tonight. It just happens to be the VA is fucked up. Um, and, you know, I've referred to it as we're not living a Disney fairy tale and we're not. But people want to sit here and live this happily ever after. And you can't. This is fucking reality. This isn't Car- Kim Kardashian reality television. This is fucking reality. It's unscripted. But people have a script they go by. You know what I mean? And the fact that we have to sit here and scratch and claw and bleed and cry and moan and bitch and scream and go to the links that you have, that I have, that Google and Six and all these other veterans have had to go through and still, yeah, there's nothing we can do. Oh, the VA is bad, aren't they? Man, I didn't know they were that bad. Oh my God, did you see in the news where this veteran was found dead in the hallway of a VA? That's just terrible. We should do something about that. Why the fuck are you doing something about it? (laughs) My personal favorite was the liquefied bodies in the morgue at Heinz VA in Chicago. Yeah, and and you know, that's happening in America. 
if anywhere, I would think it would happen in fucking Cambodia or some shit. It's America it's happening in. This isn't, you know, some fucking drug cartel backstreet alley in Mexico. It's fucking America. But, you know. Was, yeah, but they don't care. Exactly. And, and what, sorry. Um, what is even more disgusting is that you have a veteran requesting accommodations yeah. for their disabilities. Whereas right now we have 37,000, if not more, VA employees who are unvaccinated and that they are requesting accommodations through the VMAC or the VHA as an exemption, as an accommodation, which means that about 700 VA employees in each state is not vaccinated, and that was released by the secretary of the VA in so, his press conference I know on the I know 18th of January, 2022. Yeah, so, so, so you know, what's great is the VA employees are getting um, COVID exemptions, but me as a veteran, I, I get none. That's just fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's, Rules for thee and not for me. They don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. They don't care, and I mean... I've said it before I and I'll say it again. I, I posed them with a really fantastic question last week. I reached out to Brent Cracky and I said, I got a great question for you. I said, tomorrow, we have a lot of veterans that have lost limbs and are wheelchair bound. And I said, tomorrow, if the government announced, if, if, if a policy was put out by the White House that said, due to COVID-19, uh, we can no longer utilize elevators as because of social distancing, you're too close in an elevator. Um, therefore, everyone must take the stairs. Um, you know, you're, if you're in an elevator, you're less than six feet apart. So you must take the stairs. What would you tell a quadriplegic veteran who came in uh, and and was requesting accommodation to utilize the elevator because they have no legs and arms? And I I, I posed this question and he said, well, I don't understand how it's applicable. And I said, well, my hearing aids, my interpreter, my ability to read lips is my wheelchair. And 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 he just he just kind of stopped. There, There was this awkward moment of he said nothing. And I said, oh, makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, that's the, that is the, the exact argument I have given veterans over and over again regarding service dogs is legally per the Americans with Disabilities Act. It doesn't matter if it's a dog, a wheelchair, a hearing aid, an oxygen tank, a limb. It doesn't matter. An assistive device is an assistive device and you are to be accommodated, period. And somebody said, well, the VA, the ADA doesn't apply to the VA. And I said, you're right. It doesn't. But it does apply to the veterans who are American citizens. We have those rights. And the VA has the responsibility to uphold those rights, even though the physical rules about sidewalks and curbs and rails don't apply to them. And that's that's exactly what I said. You know, I told them, I said, your VHA policy, unless it is a CFR, is not law. ADA is law. CFR is law. Presidential mandates, and let's be blunt, are not law. Mandates were never voted on by legislators. None of these, and this be very blunt here, none of these COVID-19 measures, mask requirements, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, none of this stuff has been voted on by any legislator and passed into law anywhere. You find me on the books one 
written law that says that due to COVID-19, you are required to wear a mask. Mandates are not law. Right. And in reference to the laws and stuff like that, you know, the VA will go and Miss Jackson tried to tell me that, well, we're ADA, you're, you're ADA exempt. I said, I'm not referencing anything in reference to ADA. I didn't even say that. I said, there are CFR. And in fact, um, Title 42, Section 12101 clearly identifies that discrimination against individuals with disabilities, um, including um, protection, um, persists in such a critical areas as employment, housing, and health services. So they are to provide the services and accommodations in reference to the CFR regulations. Um, I'm not sure, Carrie, Jen, which of you want to answer this, but where you're at now, um, is there anything publicly you can say where you are trying to what what you what plans you have in place publicly that you can announce or what your next move is per se that like I said publicly you can talk about yeah so um I am a firm believer in uh, playing a three D chess um and um um I'm gonna Star tell Trek you that uh, I'm 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 gonna say that at this time um I am lawyering up. Uh, the VA at this point has a proven quote unquote community care, but not for the necessary care that was needed. Um, they also pulled a little bullshit level game last week where instead of having and they had the opportunity to have a doctor contact me who could treat me. The VHA or VAMC Houston uh, chose to have a mental health professional, the director of behavioral health contact me and offer her services. And I said to her, you know, I find that very ironic. Uh, you know, uh, obviously we know what they're gearing up for. Um, the, the, the same old, same old, they try to pull with all the veterans who file lawsuits against them. Right. Uh, and I said, you know, it's really interesting that they have the director of behavioral health contact me instead of like the director of otolaryngology, the director of ENT, you know, we have a CT that says there are two tumors here. Clearly there's a medical problem. I says, you know, I'm a firm believer and supporter of mission 22, things like that. Uh, you know, and, and, and mental health is very important here but uh, i have a medical problem so why is a mental health professional contacting me and i i I picked up on it right away and i was very strategic in the conversation with her i had and i said you know imagine if you were my mom how irate you would be right now you know um so i'm going to tell you that there are numerous numerous legislators involved um and and some of them i'm very frustrated with i.e i live in pinal county arizona if anybody knows anything about sheriff mark lamb he's about as constitutional as they come um he's the guy famous for standing across one of our county roads with a rifle in one arm and a copy of the constitution in the other and saying i'll celebrate thanksgiving with whoever i want um and um we reached out to him and we've gotten zero response. You have Carrie Lake, who is, uh, you know, at a rally 10 minutes from my house with Trump last week. Um, and, you know, she's saying, you know, if I become governor of Arizona, I know one person I want to lock down and that's that lying scumbag Fauci. Uh, and we've reached out to her office and gotten zero response. Um, so, you know, there's some of these, these legislators who would really benefit from, you know, having my story at the forefront of, you know, some of their stuff, especially the ones that are very anti-COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, 
we have gotten very little response from those individuals. But I will tell you that, and I won't say publicly their names, there are some players that my team, I have a team of about 25 folks who work for Longhorn Paranormal. Uh, By the way, to sum up confusion, for anybody looking into us, uh, we are rebranding right now for season three as Ghosted 360. Um, But we have uh, uh, about 25 folks who work for us. uh, And... um, um, we have some folks that are working behind the scenes on some things, and there are some individuals involved uh, who we will not name, who are pulling some very big strings uh, and uh, have some weight to pull and toss around. Uh, and uh, we have a couple aces in our pockets. And um, uh, this, I, as I warned the VA from the start, and I don't care if they're listening, I'm the problem that doesn't go away. I'm the thing that will keep them yep. awake at night because um, I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to sit by idly and let them kill me. And uh, I'm going to be the one that stands up and blows the whistle. You know, I'm a whistleblower. And if you want to try to label me mentally deranged for being a whistleblower, more power to you. Um, but uh, the one thing that I will warn them, and I'm sure they're listening, they knew we were going to be here tonight. Um, <laughs> just remember that I'm a public figure and I have a TV show and I'm constantly in the public eye. Uh, my mental status is pretty well determined. Uh, and uh, so with that said, we have some folks that are uh, uh, um, who are really um, digging into this. Uh, we are lawyering up and we will be, uh, we've already submitted an intent to sue, which we've put out publicly and we will be filing them with a lawsuit. Um, and uh, we will be using those funds um, for Longhorn Outpost and our Justice for Warriors. And uh, uh, we're gonna make sure that uh, we utilize anything from a lawsuit that we obtain to uh, acquire these stories, to utilize those funds to assist other veterans. Um, the big hurdle I have right now is I was supposed to have these tests yesterday, but because of failure of community care yet again, and the VHA, both Phoenix and Houston, um, I didn't get my tests. Well, the only thing standing between me and my tests right now is $8,000. And if I had that $8,000, I could have had my tests and I, you know, I could at least know if this is cancer or not. Uh, you know, it's a very scary thing to think at 32, I might have cancer. Uh, and so um, my goal is that we are able to bridge that gap uh, with uh, anything we win from a lawsuit that, you know, we start working on these veteran stories. We get people like Carrie on board to fight for these veterans on our board. Um, Jen's full name, uh, we'll put it in the message. Um, you know, we get people like Carrie and some folks that we want to bring on board to start taking care of each of these veteran stories that we're receiving individually. And then if there is a situation like mine where there's going to be a several week gap, I don't care what the financial cost is. Technically their VA already paid for it. And uh, so we're going to take that money and we're going to make sure that that veteran isn't stuck in limbo for six weeks or 14 months to get the care. We're going to say, okay, you know what? We have confirmation that Mayo's treating them here's the $8,000, we'll pay it directly to the account. And so we're going to use those lawsuit funds to to push right back. Um, so uh, I have big goals and, and big ambitions. And uh, uh, this, this is far from over. And, and they may get me to settle or sign a gag order on my case. But there are hundreds of other veterans that we will represent. And Longhorn Paranormal, Longhorn Outpost, we will make sure that those stories get heard. 
Well, um, I, I'm going to speak on behalf of TV radio staff and, and listeners. And if they don't like it, they, they, can, they can fuck themselves. But I think they'll all agree. Uh, we 100% will back you. Uh, be right there beside you. Fuck, got your six. We'll be right fucking beside you. Um, love to work with you guys on any level. I don't, I don't care what it is, even if it's just, hey, we need a resource. Oh, okay. Um, we don't care. Uh, yeah. That's what we've done since day one. Uh, that's one of the reasons DD was created is is to help veterans uh, in a in with our dark humor. But then it evolved into resources and and other things. And and radio is the number one thing now. Um, so if there's anything we can do working alongside you, JJ, any of us, uh, just let us know. Definitely, um, no reason to hesitate on any avenue whatsoever because. We've been through the system. We know what you're going through on that front. Um, the level and extent, no. And uh, we wish we could have a fucking reset button. <laughs> <laughs> People wonder why I don't want to go to the VA to begin with. Yeah. Hey, um, yeah. You know, I just thought of a solution. Do you, any of you guys have a staples near you? <laughs> uh, it's about 30 minutes down the road, but uh, I think my we don't have, have a it. staples anywhere near us. But maybe if somebody, uh, maybe nah, if somebody, nah, nah. maybe if somebody puts an easy button in a box and mails it to me, I can smack the <laughs> fucking six has one. That fucking asshole has one. He's not used it in a while, but that dick face used to press it all the goddamn time during the fucking show. And yes. it's so loud. Yes, Anna. Yes, Anna. <laughs> Add DV radio to our map. Uh, uh, drop them. <laughs> Drop DD we have like five easy buttons somewhere around here. My God, I'll never. We also forget. have a no button. Yeah, I'll never forget. Like he fucking would hold that up to the. He held it up to the mic, not away, right up to the mic. So it was all distorted and shit, and it hurt everybody's ears. And it was like really, really sad. <laughs> but no, um, on a serious note, we. Uh, damn, there's no words to describe it. Apparent, disgusting. I, you can go down the list. There's not enough words to describe it. This is right now. I'm kind of enraging. Right yeah. now, I'm kind of in this weird, vicious cycle. Like a week and a half ago, I was super bad, and so like like I said, my hair is falling out. My nails are brittle. I'm wearing a winter beanie now all the time and keeping my hair up because just brushing my hair, I'm just pulling it out in clumps. And so I kind of am going through this vicious cycle now where I'm constantly exhausted. All I want to do is sleep. I start to kind of circle the drain and get really bad. I actually got so bad last week that on the fly, I had Stephen update my will because I was like, I was laying on the couch, like thinking I was about to die. Uh, and, uh, uh, and then now, you know, the last couple of days have been a little better. I'm still in a ton of pain, mm -hmm. but I've been a little better and I ate a little bit and it was good. Uh, and then yesterday, last night I started to hurt again. And it's, I think I'm starting to kind of circle the drain again, you know? So I'm it's kind of like a roller coaster. I have ups and then I have these really, really severe downs. Uh, and, uh, you know, so uh, all of our content, like I said, our TV show, everything's on hold. Um, we have people, I got to wait all the way till December. Yeah. We put a December 1st date on our next season of content because we just don't know. And we don't want to give people false promises, you know? Right. So, um, um, so um, it's, it's really a, a difficult, difficult situation all the way around. But uh, um, I, you know, the, the one thing that I do know and Carrie constantly reminds me is um, 
you know, she has helped me mellow out quite a bit. I'm definitely the warrior type. Uh, I'm like balls to the walls. You want to mess with me? Let's go, you know, but yep. she's kind of had to pull me back a little bit and calm me down, you know, and, uh, and uh, the one thing she constantly reminds me is you're not the only one going through something like this right now. And, and, you know, every day her and I talk and she gives me these little bits of inspiration. Like I could not, I, I have to say this publicly, I could not have gotten a better base rep. Like, seriously, guys, um, she like has figured out my little subtle nuances, things like <laughs> what makes my PTSD trigger. She asked me a question and I told her a story and she goes, I knew it. You know, um, she she pays attention. And that's that's huge. You know, and, and the one time I had a problem with her, I said, Carrie, you know, I don't think you're doing this right. You know, this is how I feel. And she let me voice that opinion. It wasn't, you know what, screw this. I quit, you know, uh, you know, go find someone else. She actually, you know, I was frustrated about something. She heard me out. Uh, I'm going to tell you that even in the darkest corners of what I'm going through and the eyes, the shadows around my eyes right now, God almighty, I look sick. Um, I, I have an amazing team. I took an entire week where I couldn't get off the couch. I didn't text anybody who works for me and all my employees were still here. I have an amazing team of people who work for me and are working with me. And I, I have to say I'm ext- in, in lieu of everything I'm dealing with. I'm extremely blessed. Uh, I'm right there with you. I, 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 I'm living chronic pain and I had to come to the realization that it's, you know what? Somebody has it worse off than you. <laughs> and and it's true. Yeah. Um and I always, go ahead. I always I always say it could could always be worse. Google, we need to get you a new computer because your mic sounds like you're like twenty feet away. Um but hey, uh, get it's with, fucking up. Hey, get with I our veterans. I need, I need a I need a new headset. I'll Google, get with uh that. Google, get with our veterans director. I'm not your average mom. Uh, or you can email her on our uh, outpost website. She just got a brand new web, uh, brand new, like stupid, ridiculous computer from a veterans organization for free. They custom built it for her. There you go, Google. I might have to get on that too. Oh. Yeah, contact our veterans director, Anna, on our contact page. She'll tell you what she's yeah, yeah, me too. My laptop's on its last legs. Yeah, we, yeah, uh, yeah. Go to our, go to our uh, contact us page and contact Anna. Um, but uh, I need to do that because I'll forget. Oh, she just uh, she just texted me. She's listening. Stack up S T A uh, Sierra Tango Alpha Charlie Kilo Uniform Papa dot org. Stack up dot org. Oh, I know those guys. Stack up Rex. Yeah, I think um, they're going to be getting quite a few con- uh, requests for new computers from veterans now. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, mine is my school computer, so the VA. Replacing it, unless it's absolutely. I'm sorry, Google. You sound sound like you're you're Tom Thumb inside of a glass bottle. She sounds like the Teddy Ruck's been recording, you know, and you would record it and they would play it back, but the tape was like like six years old. Yeah. I wonder if we put it in one of those, I wonder if we put her in one of those VHS tape rewinders if we could just start over. Um, so, uh, with everything that you've let everybody know, um, what can people do to help you support what's going on, help spread the, 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 the story, et cetera, et cetera. What can our listeners do to help you all? 
One thing that Kerry's really been pushing is contact your congressman, contact, you know, the secretary of the VA, the White House line, um, you know, the, the VAs themselves. Um, but one thing that was made very clearly apparent to us as of Friday um, is uh, we can follow all the complaints. We, Brent, Brent, and I'm not going to, I wasn't on the call, but Kerry said something along the lines of Brent said, you can follow all the complaints you want. We don't care. Um, um, so they they made their opinion on the matter very, very moot and point. What's really interesting about this is that uh, the Monday after New Year's, um, the VHA and uh, or VAMC in Houston received apparently 45,000 calls in one day on my behalf. <laughs> on my behalf. Um, when I told them that I had a TV show with 10 million viewers, they certainly didn't believe me and they found out really quick. Um, That's awesome. Um, and my I, congressman is not going to give a shit. Yeah. I appreciate everybody who supported me and has supported me. I'm extremely eternally grateful for all the love and all the support that I've gotten through this. Um, and uh, so I'm going to say this and I, I want to preference this. Um, I one, we have not touched the money. Two, I did not initially want to do it. And I told people we weren't going to do it. But there is a GoFundMe for me. Uh, obviously, as we can see, there's a community care issue um, that currently has uh, $2,500 in it. I have currently about eight to $9,000 in appointments that I, if I have to pay out of pocket, uh, it's going to cost me. And I just, I live on my VA, you know, pension. I don't have it. Um, and so um, um, uh, $3,000 a month certainly doesn't get me anywhere near surgery and testing. And um, so with that said, we do have the GoFundMe. I'm always leery of GoFundMe. I'm not a fan of GoFundMe. Um, uh, I get everybody's kind of sympathy fatigued with all the help me, help me, but it is out there. Um, more importantly, I would say contact, continue to contact these people, let your voices be heard. If anybody has an attorney in their back pocket, we are working with some attorneys, but I always like to have more than one option on the table. Uh, if somebody knows their uncles, brothers, nephews, cousins, sister, third, twice removed, who is actively following that story, um, um, and, and can get them to pick up this case, this federal case. Um, I would absolutely love that. Um, so that way we can kind of push this to the next level. Um, and then uh, I would say, you know, just check out our website, uh, ghosted360.com. We just merged from longhornparanormal.com to ghosted360.com. Uh, and under our about us, it's the official statement on Jen's health. You can read up on the story. Um, and go get some education on what it's like to be deaf and hard of hearing. We put some videos on there, some great resources um, and some great information. It, it, the one thing that repetitively in all of this has come to frustrate me is how a bunch of hearing people sitting around a table can make a decision for a community that they don't even understand. Yeah, just, my, uh, my grandpa was in World War II and he had a stroke that made him deaf. And if he was living today, I can't imagine what he would be going through because he could not talk correctly after the stroke and he was deaf. So it made it even worse. And if he were living today, knowing what you're going through, like I, like, oh my God, I would, I would literally kill somebody. I would, I would kill a motherfucker. Like, Harry, yeah. Yeah. what were you going to say? You interject I was just going to say, I think, Beginning Monday morning, I think that everybody listening should start calling Brent at VMAC Houston. 
He's the uh, uh, what? He's the chief experience officer there, yeah. and everybody should just call him up and say, "Hey, how's Jen doing?" Yeah, and basically, if he gets you know forty, fifty thousand calls personally asking how Jen is doing, maybe it'll help encourage him to realize that everybody knows what's going on. You know, and another. Another big thing, too, is that uh, we we lost our ability to reach out to a large group of individuals on TikTok. Um, so as of this week, and we do know, and obviously we, we, we have some technical skills over here. I mean, we built TV episodes. Um, um, we were able to kind of do a little bit of tracking as to who is reporting our stuff. Um, and we have, a, and I, I won't say who, but I'm sure you guys are smart enough to figure out when we started name dropping people from VHA Houston or v, uh, VAMC, sorry, Houston. Um, you know, when we started name dropping across our TikTok and putting out these videos and calling these people out, all of a sudden, uh, you know, Longhorn Paranormal with 25,000 followers started getting reported. You know, I, I'm not going to say who from, you know, uh, but VAMC Houston, uh, you know, um, um, so our accounts right now are currently banned. Um, and so uh, if you guys could just help spread the word to get people kind of redirected back to us at Longhorn Paranormal 3.0, um, <laughs> that would be huge um, because there's so many people wanting updates and that are following this and they're trying to keep up. And uh, so we are working, I'm working with our public information officer smiles uh, to get um, um uh, everybody under one roof with Longhorn. Uh, we may even create an account that's just Longhorn Gen updates or something, but that way um, we can get everybody back on the same page because people are kind of at different stages with all of this and we'd love to get everybody updated. Yeah, if you want to send uh, her my email and, and we'll get everything and we'll put it here on the website and we'll get everybody else to push it out to be more than happy to help you with that. That'd be great. Um. I know we've went over a lot tonight and I know it's a lot of information for people to take in. Is there anything else that you want to say um, before I let Google do her one news story and I call it quits? <laughs> um, we're not doing this just for Jen. We're doing this for all veterans so that all veterans have a voice and so that it will help to promote change within the VMAC systems to help bring reasonable accommodations to the, the, the population within the Veterans Administration Medical Centers. I want to, the only thing I want to say is um, uh, I want to, when I want to mirror what Carrie just said, because it's almost her and I discussed this, you know, extensively of how I want this to look. Um, and yes, the other piece of this is uh, in the crazy world we're living in right now. I just want to remind people that um, the, there is a fine line between um, insurrection and freedom and it's who wins. Let me say that again. There's a fine line between insurrection and freedom, and that is determined by who wins. Our founding fathers won. That's why it was called freedom. And the moment we stop fighting for freedom, we lose it. No matter what it looks like, whether it's somebody's rights, whether it's the Constitution, whether it's people's Bill of Rights, whether it's standing up against violations of the oaths we took, 
And I want to remind every single person working at the Department of Veteran Affairs that's a veteran. They took an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And in this day and age, it appears that we have many domestic enemies to the fundamentals of American beliefs and ideology. And uh, let me remind them their, their oath has no expiration. And uh, doing the right thing is doing the right thing. I don't care if I lose everything. I don't care if I lose it all. I don't care if I lose my TV show, my cars, my trucks, my home, my freedom. I don't care if the VA bangs through my door and takes me away in the middle of the night in handcuffs because of this. I'm going to do the right thing, the morally right thing, the thing with values. I'm going to stand up for my rights. I'm going to stand up for freedom, and I'm going to stand up for my fellow veterans. And I'm going to say, I took an oath. I learned at a fundamental level, day one in boot camp, that you're my battle buddy. And we don't leave anybody fucking behind. So uh, if they want to start a war, then they can start it. But uh, I'm not going to comply. I will not comply. Come and make me. I really wanted to just yell preach sister that entire time, <laughs> but you're exactly right. You are, I mean, 100%. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. Um, I cannot thank you enough for coming on Jen, Carrie. Um, I can't tell you enough what an honor and pleasure it is to be able to sit here and talk with you two. Um, and, and let others know about your story and, and the horrific bullshit uh, that something that was promised to us is being outright denied to you. And the fact that it is happening to you and, and to any veteran, for that matter, um, goes against any oath we ever took to defend this country. And there's other short of going in, as as Carrie said, an outright army and saying you're going to do something or we're going to do something short of that. Our hands are tied as far as doing something that Avenue. Um, yep. But just, oh, yeah. I, I want to, I want to absolutely clarify. I am not proposing violence here. Yes. And that is something that from the start, I want to, I, I want to reiterate this. I do not want to be the source of any violence against any government agency, especially in this day and age. Mm -hmm. Okay. What people do organically, what people do for freedom organically is up to them. I, I think we all kind of, you know, a recent poll came out and I'll, I'll quote a, a, a news article here that stated that uh, uh, 98% approximately of Americans are ready for a war um, yeah. in this country, civil war uh, more specifically. But I want to reiterate, I want to reiterate, I, am, I, I want this to be peacefully handled in a legal matter that represents the founding origins of this country and what our oaths are and what we believe in and what is morally right, values right. I do not want to, I, well, Jen said, no, I did not. I yeah. do not support, I do not condone. I do not, if you want to go stand outside your, you know, I heard about some motorcycle guys that wanted to go to the VA and rev their engines. More power to you on behalf right. of me. That's awesome. All right. As long as things are peaceable, um, yep. I appreciate all of the support that we are getting. Absolutely. You call and call and call and they can't, they can get as mad as they want for blowing up the phones. They work for you. 
All right. Um, That's their job. They're government employees. Their job is to work for you. Okay. Uh, Let them remind them who, who they work for, but peacefully, please. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one thing I was getting at. We joke around and, and we push buttons and we cross lines here at DV slash DV radio. But at the end of the day, the last thing we will approve of is anybody breaking the law, doing something illegal, yeah. being racist. I don't care how you feel. If you can't yeah. do it in a peaceful, adult, debative matter, don't fucking do it. And sure as hell, don't bring our names into it. Because if you do, you're yeah. going to lose. I'm going to tell you that yeah. right now. You're going to fucking and, lose. And, and this is recorded. So at no point, we have not proposed anybody be violent. All right. Exactly. We appreciate all the support we're getting, but don't bring our name into it either. If you chose to go that exactly. route, we have nothing to do with that. Exactly. I, I 100% will stand beside Jen with everything she said. I proverbially stand. I'll sit in my wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, whoa, guy, whoa, guy, whoa. Now, when you go to the VA, I am demanding, per my own policy, you take the stairs. Oh, well, we'll talk about that when the time comes. <laughs> but exactly. Uh, if you're going to reach out to any of these numbers or any of these uh, facilities, do it in a peaceful, constructive manner. Don't lose your cool. Don't threaten them. Don't do anything stupid. And if you're being a dick, I will have nothing to do with you. There's a difference between being an asshole and a dick. I'm an asshole 24-7. Don't be a dick. Do not be a dick. (laughs) Please don't be a dick. To all my veterans out there, don't be a fuck stick. You can articulate, you can articulate, you know, we can articulate our frustration. And if you want to call on my behalf, I appreciate that. But let's make sure we articulate it in a... um, uh, constructive manner that uh, is is going to further this in in a positive way. Uh, I would love to see nothing more than 1.3 million people call the VA in one morning on yeah. my behalf. That would be wicked. Um, and, and if it's done constructively, that makes a big statement, you know. Uh, and another big thing is all the news. Obviously, this doesn't fit any agendas right now. All the news uh, networks have refused to pick this up. Maybe we shift gears. Uh, instead of calling the VA, we get 45,000 people to start calling their local news networks uh, and saying, hey, have you heard about this story? You can check it out. It goes to 360.com. You can check it out on TikTok. You know, uh, maybe if we put enough pressure on the media, the media will pick this up. And then, you know, the media starts picking this up and talking about it. You know, that can shift all of this in an even better direction or worse, you know, in this day and age. Not sure if we can trust the media, but um, the media, by and large, has been tagged throughout my story numerous times. And uh, we've reached out to the media and they've refused to touch this because it doesn't fit a narrative. Yep, exactly. That's that's one thing that we try to explain to people here. If it doesn't fit a narrative, nobody's going to touch it. Um, Jen Carey, if you want to stay on for a few more minutes, I'm going to let Google do her one news article if her microphone will last that long. Um, for those listening, if you've got to go, please check out longhornoutpost.us. And if you want to leave your story, click on the Justice for Warriors tab and leave your story. Uh, it's, I, I can't fathom what Jen's going through. I know I've went through some shit, but it's, it's not as bad. I mean, shit. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, before I let Google do her news article, thank you again for, for allowing us uh, this opportunity to speak with you and have you guys on. 
Um, and like I said, if you want to stay on just a few more minutes to let Google do her thing, we'll do her thing. We'll end the show and, and we'll go from there. But Google, <coughs> you, your stupid news article thing that you said would be perfect for tonight. <coughs> Google, is your mic working? <laughs> of course it's not. Google. Working now. Oh my God. I swear. Okay. There It'll be go. super duper fast. So Jen, while you're dealing with all that stuff, there are kids in the in Virginia in the Fairfax County schools that are playing bingo. Which is awesome, right? But not really. Because they have to check these fancy boxes and um, they include if you're a native English speaker, then you check the box. Comfortable walking outside alone, heterosexual, college in in the expectation, um, you have your own bedroom, imp- involved in extracurricular activities, never been racially profiled, you're Christian, white, both parents went to college, never married, never worried about food, sorry, pa- parents are married, Feel represented in media, gender, never lost a loved one, able-bodied, feel safe around police officers, born in in country of residence, drive or get driven to school, employed, no speech impediment, mentally healthy, military kid, and male. And if you check those boxes, then you are privileged. Oh, my God. You only need five in either direction, just how bingo goes. Well, wow. privilege bingo, if you really? Boxes. <laughs> if you check those boxes, you are Jesus. apparently privileged. Somebody stop the world. I want to get off. Uh, hey, yes. hey, you know, um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm only one square away from winning bingo on my apocalypse bingo card. So, <laughs> right? You are not wrong. <laughs> And also the hell in a handbasket bingo card. That one's almost full too. Blackout bingo for that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> news of the evening. Well, Google, since your mic is working for the next two seconds, do you have any last no, things right. you want to say? I really hope that somebody gets the VA to fucking get off their ass and do shit. Uh, yeah, how hard is it for one employee to do the right fucking thing? Well, that's well, asking for a miracle. You know, right? you know, you know. Uh, actually, uh, since this goes across the airwaves, um, I would like to uh, put this out because I'm sure the VA is listening tonight. It would be absolutely incredible if the uh, secretary of the VA would just sign my exemption form himself, as well as my community care, uh, just blanket it, you know, um, uh, from the secretary of the VA. Uh, at this point, uh, because at, at what point do they continue, you know, do they stop digging their own hole and realize that this is a 15 month hole? And I've been documenting everything the entire way. And we just sent six emails to one attorney with hundreds of documents and, and pieces of evidence against them. Uh, you know, at, at some point, you know, maybe the secretary of the VA will stand up and do the right thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to send this to some of my contacts at my VA. One that's getting ready. To I'm also going to be. Yeah. Uh, also, by the way, I just broke 10,000 uh, on my wood turning page. Um, I will be making a video in the morning with Mr. Kratke's information and the, the number for the VAMC uh, Houston, as well as a link to uh, Jen's story on uh, the website, because this has got to uh, 
Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, yeah. this can't spread. I mean, at this though. point, at this point, we're verging on the on a requirement for emergent surgery and fucking COVID hysteria is stupid. Yeah. Bureaucratic COVID COVID hysteria. Yeah. After and I mean, the CDC has come out now within the last week and said masks are worthless. Yeah. The CDC has come out and said, if you've had COVID and recovered, your natural immunity is better than the than the. Uh, 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 GBD jabs. And the CDC pretty, is admitting that this has all been bullshit. And we're pretty well convinced that uh, actually everybody in this household had COVID before everybody realized it was COVID. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, back in approximately October, November of 2020, all of us here got really, really like, I've never been so sick in my life. And it came on very rapid and I couldn't smell, I couldn't taste. And it was just gone that quick. And that was like right before COVID hit. So we're all pretty well convinced we all had it. Same with us. Yeah, we had it here. Yeah. Yeah. We had it in 20, we had something in 2019. And then last, uh, last October we had it. I actually, uh, went to the VA and got a test, and they confirmed it was COVID. And it's funny, yeah, my husband and I are convinced that he at least got COVID. Like he almost died sitting on the couch. I mean, everybody throws me these statistics, and I'm like, "You want to talk statistics? I'm immune o compromised. I should have been dead the first three <laughs> fucking months, you bitch." Fucking three right? stats at me. Go fucking take your percentages and stuff them up your fucking ass. I don't give a fuck. Yep. Well, did you guys hear about the uh, seven? Did you guys hear about the seven universities that are suing the CDC right now because they mm-hmm. out of fourteen hundred cases yep. of quote unquote COVID um, testing that they looked at, um, they, had, they took seven universities took fourteen hundred positive cases of COVID quote unquote positive cases and looked at the test and tested those cases and. Uh, all 1,400 cases, they found zero cases of COVID, and it was either influenza A or B. Hey, yeah. you, you guys go. reckon, since we're talking yeah, about I this so much, that we'll get there week. beside Joe Rogan, and they'll want to cancel us now, all those thousand scientists that, you know, sit yeah, at their fucking they computers. They can't cancel TV anyway. Come on. <laughs> hey, hey, I've joined... I've joined the ranks of Morgan Wallen, uh, Topher, uh, let's see, Jesse Howard, uh, Upchurch, now Longhorn Paranormal. The number one ghost hunting TV show on streaming has been canceled by Netflix, Amazon, and now TikTok. Yep. Sweet. We we yeah. had we had that's three a, podcasts. That's an accomplishment. We had three podcasts removed, and there was a video that I'd done with six a couple years ago that was removed, and I had to stop uploading our podcast to YouTube because they were removing every other one because of some stupidity. You you went against the goodness. It's like go fuck yourself. Yeah. Safety concerns my ass. It's a fucking joke. God damn, I'd hate to see these people on a good day. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Give them a lollipop. Oh, you're not supposed to take candy from strangers. Are you in a white van, sir? No, bitch. I'm just a fucking sucker. God, eat it. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox for a minute. Hey, so while, while, while you're on that, uh, I came up with a really fantastic idea. Once the COVID hysteria ends, 
for an entire year, I'm going to walk around by myself wearing a mask and it's just going to say deaf on it. And every time uh, a hearing person walks up to me to talk to me, I'm just going to start signing. And when they start getting all frustrated uh, about how I can't, they can't effectively communicate with me and they're not understanding what I'm saying, I'm going to hand them a card and say, this is how I felt for two years. Yeah. No shit. Yep. Yeah. No. Just don't do it to me because I'll have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> hey, real, really quick, JJ, last words, and I'll move on to Lane. Well, you know, uh, I uh, I made this statement live on the PTS Dog page the other day. The video, I think it's the most recent video. Um, unfortunately, the way that the bureaucracy is set up, in order to get the treatment that you earned and that you need at the Department of Veterans Affairs, you have got to be just about as educated as your doctors. You need to understand what your condition and or conditions are. You need to understand what viable treatments are, and you need to be able to advocate for yourself, or you need to have somebody with you who can. It should not be that when we go to the VA, we have to fight for care. But the reality is we have to be smarter than the doctors. Actually, no. We don't have to be smarter than doctors. We have to be smarter than the bureaucrats because the bureaucrats want to kill us because dead veterans don't need benefits. And if we're dead, we don't need checks. And so the, the, the unfortunate reality is we have got to be as educated as possible about their rules, which we can see. All their rules are published by law. Their rules have to be published. We can find those rules. We have to be as educated as, pos as possible on what the law says, what the CFR says. That is law. What the CFR says. And when they tell us that we can't have a treatment, we can't have access, we can't have this, or we can't have that. The most powerful tool we have is a phone call to the inspector general with the citation from the CFR that says that what is happening at this VA and, 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 and you know, the example of what's happening to you at that VA and how it violates the CFR. And then, because I've dealt with this, dealing with the Martinsburg VA uh, on behalf of a veteran who's no longer with us, then you have to make sure that the IG inspector actually pays attention and investigates the right fucking VHA directive. I made a complaint on the behalf of a veteran regarding their abuse of VHA Directive 1188. He came back and said, we're not violating VHA Directive 1133. And I about shit. This was in writing. It said 1188. And he made a, a determination about whether or not they were fulfilling VHA Directive 1133. So even then, even though the IG exists, you still have to know more than they do. Yep. It shouldn't be that way, but the reality is we have to be smarter than the, the bureaucrats. Hey, you know what? I just came to this great conclusion. So they don't understand the word not. They don't understand the word exempt. They can't determine a three versus an eight. Maybe when this is all over and I get my surgery and I win this lawsuit, I'm going to just send every single VA representative that was associated with this BS that I've been put through a year's worth of hooked on phonics. <laughs> for real right you are yeah. you're not wrong and, and it's not so much about quote-unquote education as it is being knowledgeable about your facilities and and everything that we talked about tonight um 
just just know what you're you're going in for know what you need to quote unquote follow and all of that i mean if if you know what to expect and they throw some bullshit out at you you throw it right back at them in a a constructive manner mind you don't fucking put it on the side of the starbucks cup and throw it at them you use common sense obviously um, if you are going to put it on the side of a Starbucks cup, freeze the cup with the coffee in it so that oh when you do God. throw it at them, it hurts. Oh Wait, no, no, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't freeze the contents of the cup in the cup and throw it at them. Don't do that. Wink, wink. Wink. I know we've talked about a lot of stuff tonight. We've had a lot of fun. We've had some depressing moments. Two things I need for you to do. Our sponsor and where everybody can go if they need to talk to somebody who we worked closely with since before they became an app. <laughs> of course, folks, if you have not checked out KYR Soap Company yet, head over there. Ditch those fairy ass bricks of crap that you get in the you know store and makes you feel like a you know a fairy little fairy fart, you know, <laughs> and, and grab a grenade. Shower with freedom, motherfuckers. That's right, KYR Soap Company. You guys, check them out. I mean, that's all I can say. Since, like, you know, whiskey bad decisions uh, in Napalm and the AM, you know, can't go wrong in there, right? Latherneck. I mean, there's so many other options out there. So check out K-Bar Soap Company. Uh, and, again, thanks to Chris for all he's done for us in, in the past and in, in, in now, currently. And, of course, if you are a brother or sister or you know a brother or sister is struggling right now, head over to ObjectiveZero.org. It is a great tool to have in your back pocket uh, for any time that you're feeling down, depressed, and need to talk to somebody. Those Ambassadors are there for you 24 7 uh, via text, via, you know, FaceTime, via just simply, you know, telephone, the old school telephone. That's right. They're there for you 24 7. So check them out, objectzero.org, or check out the free app on your Android and iOS devices. Is there anything else, Oink, you'd like to say before we end the show? No, I just want to thank Jen for coming on and, and telling her story. Um, you know, the nightmares uh, of the VA are out there. Um, obviously, there are good VAs out there. Don't get me wrong. They're far and few in between. But uh, obviously, it's those that are, you know, that are disrespecting, uh, the, that are not honoring their oath to, you know, taking care of the veterans. Those are the ones that we need to expose. And that's what uh, that's basically what she's doing. I mean, and hats off to her. And like uh, I think you said already, we're, we're behind her. We got yeah. her six, 24. Yeah. Yep, definitely 100%. Um, for those listening, if you haven't went over there, go to longhornoutpost.us. Also, they've got a nice little store over there, and you best believe I'm going to buy me a few things. And my mommy is zip up hoodie because she loves zip up hoodies and uh, support Longhorn uh, as, as much as I can. And, and Jen, and, and alongside of what we're already doing. Um, again, Jen, Carrie, I. I can't thank you guys enough for allowing us to do this. And, and like I said earlier, if there's anything we can do in the future, in, an hour from now, I don't care. Just just let us know if there's any way we can work alongside you guys. Please let us know. We'd love to uh, do whatever we can to help you guys out now and in the future. Um, if there's anything else, Carrie, Jen, you would like to say, uh, now is your time. I got one more thing. Freedom, motherfuckers. <laughs> America fuck Joe Biden <laughs> uh, hey Gary. and to, to the v, to the VA let's go Brandon <laughs> 110% uh, Carrie no that's actually only 30 33% 
<laughs> oh man. Um, Appreciate it, you guys having us on. Really, thank you. Thank you. No, it, it's our honor. It's our pleasure. Um, we've not done a show like this in a very, very long time. Um, it was way past due. And uh, as I said earlier in the pre-show, I'd found you guys way, way before everybody started emailing me and messaging me. And then, you know, my body was like, hey, Bo, time for you to feel like you're dying. And <laughs> I lost track of time and all this shit popped up. And I'm sorry I didn't uh, have you guys on sooner. I really, really regret that. Um, but thank you for coming on and allowing us to do all of this tonight. We appreciate it. Y'all have a great night. You as well. For everybody listening, you have just heard Barrett's talk right here on WDVRDVRadio.net. I'm Bonerwood for Oik, JJ, Google, Sergeant Wardog, Mike Gordia, Jen, and Carrie. Until next week, Futsicles. Bye-bye. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, folks. Goodbye.